This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 261, A Guide to Action Car. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Doesn't it feel like it has been, like, forever since we did a Space Cats episode? Because Gen Con, we held over so much from Gen Con. Yeah. It feels like it's been 100 yeah. years since I've recorded a Space Cats episode. Yeah, it has been a minute since we've done any Space Cats episodes. Um, it was nice to have a break. Um, <laughs> we are actually ahead, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. Yeah. We're literally recording this a week before a whole week that has not happened before. in years <laughs> we we've been, just been laying down track in front of the uh-huh. train just going full blast <laughs> but we are a week ahead now yeah um which i am very excited about matt uh because you have uh some vacation time coming up that, that we'll just is immediately chew exciting. into we will immediately lose the lead hey, we we, we had to vacay. get that lead <laughs> we had to get that lead so daddy could get his vacay time all right <laughs> daddy gotta have vacay time or daddy gonna be grumpy mm. all right no, i, and I hate to grumpy, break it to you but the grump don't go that's don't true go away. you're you're kind of grumpy regardless <laughs> Getting you some vacation time merely keeps you from destroying uh-huh. the vast media empire we have built. Yes. Which, yeah. which let's be real, you would do that at any time. Yeah. This vast media empire mm-hmm. of a single podcast that does okay and then one that doesn't really have much <laughs> going on at all. I intend vast to media bring it empire. down. Your hubris has far exceed- exceeded its expectations <laughs> and you must be brought down to bear. <laughs> No, we're doing great. I'm just yeah. kidding. I don't, I don't want to be fake modest. We're doing great. We're we're living our best life. Hey, we do um, this for a living. Let's uh what what's what's been going on? I hope everyone liked the Gen Con offerings. Uh yeah. live show was crazy fun. Interviews were crazy fun. Interviews. Uh, I I liked talking to all those folks. I love talking to Leader Games every single time. So I hope that that was a joyful experience for you to listen to cuz I like doing those and I want to do more of them. Yeah, and we got to play some games. Uh, yeah. Not really that many, but we got to play some games. Yeah, um, yeah. We mo- we were mostly working, but we did we did enjoy ourselves a little bit. We played a poker tournament, yep. which is kind of hilarious. That was funny. Uh, Root won because he plays the most poker. Uh, EJ got second place because EJ plays the second most poker, and I got third place because I play the third most poker. So it was right. We we really just showed up to a place and asked everybody to give us like eighteen dollars or whatever. Oh wait, Matt, and who got fourth? <laughs> and place? Hunter who got fourth? fourth without being the person who plays the fourth most poker. I believe I got fourth and don't even play poker. Yeah, you all did right, good. You did pretty I, I liked good. it because it was a Space Cats Peace Turtles top four. Out of a tournament yeah. uh, that you know, <laughs> it people, just felt like of people who already give us money, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, uh, very very good time. Uh, loved it. Loved Gen Con. Yep. We will. Uh, we we had a really great time doing the live episode. Yep. Uh, you should expect that to happen every year uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, yep. That that'll be something that you'll get to experience. Really too excited. Fun. Too yeah, fun. Not too to fun. Do. Too fun, and uh, we did good, so I feel like they're going to have us back, so we're excited to do it again yeah. in the future. 
so you should get excited for uh, more Gen Con uh, coming up uh, in in the the future. But for now, we have to return to the uh, kind of normal standard version of the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. We are doing a very big episode today. It yeah. is a sequel episode. You listener know more about this episode than Hunter and I do at this moment because you ah. can see the time code. And you know, uh-huh. you know what this cost us, and we do not know that yet. Uh, and I'm very interested to see right, the, right. the last time, because you said, Hunter, this is a sequel episode. Last time we did yes. action cards, it was split into two parts, and one of those parts was three hours long. Yes, it was split into two parts, one of the parts three hours long. Uh, yeah, so, so Matt is pointing out that you can see how long this episode is already. <laughs> so you'll see that we put in a good full days at work. Uh, and Matt don't like doing that. Matt would, Matt wants his vacay. You know what I mean? Matt wants I'm vacay. Not, I'm not complaining. I'm does just saying. Does not want to do I the work. I think it's irresponsible to have podcasts longer than an hour and a half. I think it's crazy town. But I, I've I have outvoted. never, ever, I have never, ever gotten an indication from the audience uh-huh. that the show is uh, too long. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never, well, ever. More people um, should so indicate there you go. that. I wish more people would indicate that. They just don't. That's the thing is, Matt, they're, they're not looking for a short, nothing about this is about shortness, is yeah. about brevity. Yeah. This is about being here for, you know. The whole week yep. you're chewing on this. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. It's like we're we're a giant slab of meat and you're just kind of chewing on little bits of it <laughs> and it's getting you through the whole week, yep. you know? Yeah. This space cat's diet you're on. Well, we're splitting this into two parts as well. So uh and something I feel like we really haven't done in a long time is just properly take stock of the action card deck as a whole. We have not properly yeah. talked about the action cards since POK, but also since right before POK was the first Codex, which introduced also a bunch of new action cards. There's 40 new action cards in this deck since the last time we talked about it. That's one and a half times what was in there before. It's a big yep. old stinking honking deck now. So I think we have to just completely reevaluate what this thing even is. The last time we properly sat down and talked about action cards, by the end of the game, you were recycling the deck. You knew all four yep. sabotages were out yep. there. You knew yep. things. There was a finite amount of information. And now I haven't recycled an action card deck like since the dawn of POK, I don't think. Yep. It ain't going to happen. Uh, you're not going to see it. It's, it's gone out of favor, um, basically. So, yeah, what, what changed? Um, I feel like in base game, the action card deck was hot, hot, yeah. hot. Yeah. Because you... Uh, neural motivator had uh, value uh, that people were were into. Yeah. Uh, because because you could count on the entire deck getting into people's hands, it was like a race yes. to get the good stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So it was like, listen, somebody's gonna have so and so card. Right. I'm not gonna be able to just count on people not having it. So I got to get in there right. and get what's good. It it now, was theoretically possible to do a lot of politics, have neural motivator and end the game with four sabotages, right? That totally. was like that was like a thing that could exist for you uh at, which seems uh, pretty good uh in a base game scenario. It does, but now the the action card deck is so much larger that you could have a situation where the entire table has prioritized uh neural motivator um which I mean, let's be real, neural neural motivator 
is not a great tech anymore uh-uh. um, because there's just other options that are better. Psycho is a better option. Right. It's just really the problem. Psycho op- offers way more versatility yeah. um, and will allow you to basically, you know, depending on your slice, go down, you know, whatever tech path it is that you desire. Neural motivator merely agreeing. Yeah. And it will get you, yeah, you'll get more so action like, cards. You'll get like three you, more action cards. You are the not the game. <laughs> you are no longer, I would say, guaranteed to get the good stuff. Yep. From the action card deck anymore right um because there's been a lot that's been added and a lot of the stuff that was added was like mid-tier cards like yeah. not necessarily bad cards but just like not game winning stuff right for the most part right um a lot of the game win- winning stuff was stuff that existed in base game and is still around but a lot of the pok and codex stuff is just merely good, which is yeah. great. By the way, yeah. that's not a complaint. I'm in favor. I actually of that. think the action card deck makes way more sense now than it did in base game. Right. It's this weird little gamble that you can go for. It is not a surefire aspect of your um, strategy to right. just go into it every single time. And I like that you you can now play the game thinking, okay, well, if this act, if someone else has this action card, they're going to play it on me. But they don't for sure have that yeah. in their hands. Yeah. It's not a certainty. So now I have to play with that uncertainty right. that the bad card is not in my right. opponent's hands. Well, and now now it feels like we're in a in a postmodern <laughs> uh, relationship with action cards, which is that we've all now become even more aware of the like not worth it nature of action cards that 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 even that is now a kind of reliable aspect of the game. Like it changed is sorrel demonstrably because now Asarl, because they also can take away the cards from other people that people are not getting very many like people aren't getting neural so they're not getting a lot of cards and Asarl's taking those away that now like when Asarl's in the game there's just this like known quantity that Asarl's got everything and nobody else has anything and you just burn right. your cards you just throw them out the window right. like that's how considered the action card deck is in that context and even without it it's like without a sorrel in the game you still just have this mentality of like nobody's really going for it which means you can do different riskier stuff because you're not as afraid of direct hits and sabotages and experimental battle stations and all that kind of stuff we we, we, right. we those none of those are as reliable which means i think people make uh, at least slightly more gambles than they otherwise would have in base game. Well, yeah, it's like it. the fact that the deck is larger means it's very hard to get perfect information now. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it is just kind of a series of percentage chances. And I think that's where Twilight Imperium really thrives is in that like, this is a game about critical thinking where your entire life will be decided on, you know, a, a, a die roll, yeah. basically. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it has the the big time thinky brain aspect, but then at the end of the day, it's a cruel numbers game that will just, you know, that will just kill you and say you can't win. Right. Um, So yeah, how important is it to go into the action card deck at all? Um, I'm going to start us off with some, uh, I would say pretty good pre errata um, from uh, finalist Necro Dies Twice, kind of asking this very question. I kind of like the way that that, uh, Necro put it. the conversation I am most int- interested in, and the one I struggled with the most, is when to follow politics. Mm-hmm. By the end of base game, drawing for those key action cards was a key to winning in competitive play. But with the dilution of the deck, it seems we have come a long way from that. It has already been stated here 
that the politics draw is the realm of the wealthy and the desperate, which seems true to me. But I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about early game situations when those dynamics aren't necessarily as clear. Um, and then he kind of lists some uh, some questions. Yeah. Uh, it's round one, and there's no structure or con uh, command counter heavy objectives. You have technology and followed warfare, and has you have an extra command counter in hand. Which factions, excluding obvious exceptions like Necro and Asarl, follow politics? Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, and then what if you have leadership round one instead of tech? Who would you follow politics there? Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 it's very hard to answer this question without basically creating an entire episode where we sort of do a round one strategy sure. guide politics focus on every single faction. I don't want to do that. We can't do that, obviously. But let's chew on this question yeah. for a second. Well, here's my first limit to the entire question, which is the the core problem with any action card uh, investment is outside of a sorrel, we all have a seven card hand limit. And that I think defines the problems because again, in the base game scenario, that seven card hand limit was, well, you keep drawing stuff. And because there's a limited value of action cards that we're going to see all of, it's quite likely that I can throw out my bad action cards and replace them with good action cards. Right, right. With way more cards that are not as meaningful and some much more situational as well, it is not inherently likely that I'm going to get better cards to get rid of my bad cards and replace them with good cards in my seven card limit. And that's yeah. especially true. I mean, it's it's no more open than it is round one where I have no cards. Am I gonna am I gonna do the secondary of politics? It is the most likelihood that you're gonna get trash in that moment. So to, yeah. to me, I think the secondary of politics has gone down so much that like I would always, always, always prioritize saving that command counter for stuff later especially round one it's like that command counter is something i can do round two that normally i wouldn't have been able to because my command counter is rarely in a worse situation than it is in round two at the start of round two i should say sure sure yeah and and you're gonna uh stads actually pointed this out in our pre-errata discussion uh that most of the time in round two your priority should be making sure that you don't get you know kind of uh counted out of a uh, round one strategy, or sorry, uh, turn one strategy card play by one of your opponents. Right. Could be Imperial. We could be talking about technology. Yep. Um, so that is, I think, a, a much easier, like, oh, well, that's always going to be bad, so I should always, you know, save up for that. Yeah, I I, I got to be honest. It's, it's kind of a boring answer to this. I can't really think of anybody. That is, besides, um, we talked about Necro, you know, that, that's, that's an obvious one. Sarl's yeah. an obvious one. Besides that, I don't really know why people are following yeah. uh, politics round one. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta make some sort of case that you are excessively wealthy. Right. And I just don't even, Barony, I don't see it. No. no. I, I would, I would, maybe. I would maybe argue for Calera's. Calera's is maybe trying to get their hands on a few more action cards. Maybe. Not very often. Not very yeah. often. And I, especially round one, I'm not so sure. Later in the game, I think Calera's could maybe start trying to do the secondary of politics. But I think we have gotten to a point where politics is the act, the strategy card where you get action cards on the primary. But we're, but sure. nobody else is actually doing it anymore. 
outside of those like very specific instances or at least i don't think you should be doing it i i do hey, think i don't think you should be doing it's it a either. waste of a command counter at this point there's something necro talked about um in that question uh that following politics is something for the wealthy or the desperate if you to be honest i want to push back against that idea as well in the context of round one mm -hmm. if you're wealthy round one why why take a gamble no. why not it's it's almost like poker logic it's like listen we're up let's yep. play safe cards yep. for a little bit you know i'm not going to like the idea that round one you're going to draw a um a card that's going to help you immediately let's say the most important thing you could draw let's just be completely clear is a flank speed yeah of which there are four right uh in the deck which means it's it's more likely to draw a flank speed than it is most cards sure but because of the uh, because of just how vast the deck is, I don't even have to look up your odds to know that I'm not interested. Yeah. I don't I don't think that it's that reasonable of a thing to expect. So I and, and the and the other thing too about this flank speed draw is a lot of other things have to go right too. You also have to have the influence to take custodians, yep. which you might not have. Right. Uh, and if you can't take custodians round one, there's somebody that's going to be able to act before you do. Yeah. So I don't really get it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's too many things that have to go right in order for me to recommend you do that in a vacuum. There very well may be a specific Christmas land scenario that a listener can craft where I'm like, okay, I would follow politics there. Yep. But in a vacuum, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I follow the logic that I, I haven't been able to find it, but someone in the pre errata pointed out if you've got the spare counter and you're looking for another strategy card to do, do construction if it's out there. Construction sure. is the one to, like, at the very least, that might get you pretty close to a stage two structure objective by the end of the game. I agree. Or whatever. If, and, and, I agree. and that comes with all the content. I mean, construction's a hard one to follow, right? Because you might be locking down something you don't want to, like, that's not always the thing. But I guess my point is, if someone took construction and the timing is good, you should do that. And if not, Save that counter. Like, that counter is going to be useful for something else later. Well, round one, a lot of people don't play construction first action anymore right. because putting structures in your home system is non-optimal for yeah. scoring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you want to... You, yeah. Round you one, you definitely have the time to make it happen. Later rounds, it gets trickier. But hey, it would be great to get that down. Uh, round one, have just a couple extra... Or an extra structure, right? So yeah. I, Me. I, yeah. yeah. I, I just Me. think... Me. I, I think <laughs> politics is not the win more uh, strategy. There are other strategies. I mean, I would rather do the secondary of Imperial when I have three pretty good secrets in hand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'd rather me see a me fourth too. secret, even if it's going to be worse than get the two action cards. That's where my head is at. Right. I, I think that, like, after round one, that whole, um, that logic of... Uh, following politics is uh for the wealthy or the desperate i would embrace that logic after round one mm -hmm. but i honestly am so not into it that round one i'm just gonna blanket say that you probably should never be following politics yeah. um except for the exceptions that we make for necro and in asarl right um because i just don't believe that you know enough about the game yeah. to know whether you are in a desperate or wealthy situation yeah. We haven't properly spelled out why those two get exceptions, and I think this this guide episode maybe deserves a quick uh, sure. line drawn for that. Isarl, the the primary reason 
is not that you're in a rush to do it, but you need a certain number of action cards to unlock your commander. So getting those into your hand is nice, not required, but uh, also just in general, Isaril gets more off the draw of politics or anything else like that. They have a higher likelihood to get something they want, and I just think getting jump-started on that is pretty good. I'm not even suggesting that Asarl is like, a, oh, you're probably definitely doing the secondary politics round one. It's only like Asarl with leadership probably can afford to do politics round one, right? That's that's about sure. how far I take it. But beyond that, Asarl probably wants to do tech and warfare, and if Diplo's in the mix, then it's even messier, and uh, Asarl probably also would really like a structure forward if it, if it came down to it. So politics is still not very high up on, on the ranking list of things to do round one. Um, and in later rounds, I, I think Asarl's pretty comfortable doing the secondary politics pretty often. Yeah, there's there's like just a couple of situations to consider with the Sorrel. The thing you also have to remember is that they do have a they do have five influence at home. Yeah. Um. So they they are not hurting for command counters around one in most right. situations. Um. However, they only have three resources at home. Yep. So you know, I would say the variables here are what strategy card do they have? Uh, that could be trade. That could be tech. That could be a leadership. Yeah. Um. It could be that another player is taking diplomacy. Mm -hmm. There's like actually quite a few situations where Asarl can spare the counter in order yeah. to get ahead on action cards. It's, it is just not absolutely essential for them to do right. so. And um, you can play strategically into that as well, because like uh, an, even an Asarl with Warfare ostensibly is going to have kind of an extra counter, and we're talking about an Asarl who's probably getting a little bit outside of their standard window, which is when I want the action cards because I would like to just immediately turn those into forward mechs. I, I, I'm right. not even doing the action card draw. I'm, I'm turning my command counter into two mechs that are out somewhere on my, you know, perimeter. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also depending on, like, you know, I, I, I love uh, exploring a hazardous planet with the old yeah. mech. Uh, so right. I, so that Plan. I get, you know, possibly an extra command counter or whatever. Um, and I don't have to sacrifice yep. an infantry. So I don't know. It, it just depends. There's yep. there's plenty of situations you can uh, make up. Necro, of course, does actually really love doing uh, politics because they get uh, an extra two trade goods yep. out of that off uh, using their uh, agent. But even Necro is not necessarily a lock for that because right. uh, while they don't really care about uh following tech they really only care about following warfare round one yeah um they also might i don't know just keep it i guess yeah. like that's not that horrible right yeah so i i think that's kind of like the summation of your of your contingencies for these other factions everybody else though i just don't i don't really see it especially round one but i'm i'm even extending it to later rounds i i just don't think politics is worth doing even in like round four at this point like i would rather if i'm gonna start gambling I would almost rather, like, get Scanlink and gamble on some exploration than just, like, I don't know, let's see what action cards I get. But that all depends on, like, maybe what action cards you've already seen or whatever. Right. Uh, it's hard to right. say. But I just think, I think the biggest issue is so many of even the game-winning action cards have actually gotten worse. Like, Imperial Rider is rarely, a, is almost never a game-changer anymore right. because we can just play around it. Um, so many of the things like that. Like, the, there's only maybe, like, three or four truly game-changing action cards anymore and the idea that i'm gonna luck into one of them is not very reliable at all and so no. yeah i i just don't see the point I, w I would rather dig for lots of other stuff because i mean a a, a 
an exploration thing could actually potentially find its way into being a victory point, whereas an action card is just, it's just not going to in almost any situation. Yeah, I don't know if I would go quite that blanket about it, but yeah, yeah it, I mean, it, it, also, I mean, the exploration deck is something that you're getting to experience in addition to just taking planets, right. which is, of you're course, very stuff. good. So, right. yeah, it's, it's, th there may be not the same. One is like going out of your way to do something extra and one isn't. Um, would like to read some real quick priorata from Rando Calrissian. Um, this is was a really good point. I wanted to bring this into the game uh -huh, uh -huh. or into the into the episode. I think that action cards are fun, so I like to get them. Um, yeah. So that's an important consideration too. Yeah. They are fun. They are just cards that say fun things to do. Um, and if you're looking for something to do while yeah. you're playing Twilight Imperium. Uh, maybe you should play some action cards. That sounds I, fun. I backed this up because while I say strategically I don't want to get action cards, you'll probably see me in plenty of streams go for action cards because actually I do kind of follow this where I'm just like, man, whatever. I just want to, I, I would like some cool stuff. The problem is how often do you actually get the cool fun action cards? I don't know. Maybe not so often anymore. That's where my, that's where my uh, breakdown has become. It's like, is mining initiative fun? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> probably not actually that fun of a card. So right. Uh, right. How, how many of these cards are actually capital F fun? Uh, we're about to talk about all of the categories. And there's an entire category in here that you have that you've sort of identified, Hunter, that I think is just a not fun category of action cards. And they're just bad, even though they're useful. Uh, and we'll we right. get into that. But yeah, there's there's a certain level of action cards that are uh, are they even fun? I don't know. Do yeah, they, what do they I contribute don't to the game? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I got one more thing I want to talk about before we get into categories of action cards. And then after that, we will do our full on discussion of every single action card in the Woof. game. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> please, please buckle your seatbelts. Um, so this is from uh, Ruthless or K Ruthless. Sorry, I should say. Um, I tend to lie about my cards a lot as leverage in deals, positions, timings but make it a point to never show them. They will have to guess if I actually have parlay, sabotage, slash experimental battle stations, etc. cetera. Yep. Um, this is something that I think people should be doing a lot more, Absolutely. which is um, refusing to show your action cards and instead just threatening so that you can sort of pretend so that we can turn TI back into a bluffing game yep. of uh, a lying and deceit, yep. claiming you have an action card, whether you have it or not. Um, definitely, I mean... In a meta sense, you bluff too much. No one will believe you, and it won't matter anymore. So you are going to have to tell the truth sometimes if you want to play out this strategy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think this is, uh, this is great. A lot of people find it unacceptable. Everybody wants to be shown stuff. I think it's fine to say you don't show stuff. Yep. I think it's totally fine yep. to just be like, I don't show secrets. I don't show action cards, all right? You're yeah. just not going to get that done. Yeah, there is no more universal truth than a player must say I choose not to play my direct hit, or I choose not to sabotage when the timing window yeah. is presented to you. Right, you, right. You, you must always, it's not, it's never, I do not have one. It is always, I choose not to play the one that I may or may not have. Uh, right. Please, please follow this rule as though it were your religion. Thank you. That was kind of my only meta consideration there uh, yeah. for that aspect of the discussion. Let's get into um a, ca a new categorization that i am proposing for action cards uh this is not strict uh rules as written categorization uh of course ca uh action cards actually do have uh some pretty distinct categories as far as uh mechanically uh considered yeah um i i i wanted to make 
a kind of series of categories to divide action cards up to make them maybe easier to think about for yeah. newer players, right. basically. Right. Yeah, so the, the first and easiest and most explicit of those categories is the one the game actually identifies, and especially is now actually quite important when you consider Calera's as a, as a faction that engages right. with this, which is the component action card. These are all of the action cards that in the top left of it say in all bold letters action and it's going to be your entire action and those can now be you know done back to back as Calera's or whatever but these these are your full action um these are your stalls when we talk about action cards that are stalls it's always something where you either are still getting something out of it or not but the fact that it's costing you your action buys you some time to do other things so right every single component action card is valued a little bit higher than it otherwise would have, right? We we right. just like a stall, period. Yeah. Stalls are basically always worth something. Um, so if the effect is basically nothing, like a tactical bombardment, it still has a pretty decent value. A stall can be hugely important in certain situations. They're not always important. Um, some of the component action cards are game-winning action cards. Are, are Some of the most powerful cards yeah. are in this group. Um, as far as things that kind of help you do something. Right. Um, and, and obviously, one of the best aspects of these cards is, um, and, and while this tech is maybe not as popular as it was in base game, Fleet Logistics is your combination tech with these cards. Yeah. You know, allowing yourself to play a component action card and then immediately take another action mm -hmm. or vice versa, um, action and then component action. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, they are, I think, um, the easiest cards to grasp just because they're like, they take up your whole turn. They do what they say on the tin. Yep. Um, tactical bombardment is annoying and we should delete it. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, it's, it's mostly your most straightforward yep. ones. I would like to posit that most of the, not most, the, the good ones of these are the area we should bring sabotage back in favor the, this vibe i feel like i've gotten recently is everybody saving their sabotages for a big important thing in the final round mm -hmm. and i don't know what they're saving it for anymore i don't know what the big most important thing is anymore and I, when i think of a card like and what we will talk about these more specifically later but like impersonation spend three influence to draw one secret objective that's a huge deal to me, and I feel like that should be more often considered a sabotageable offense. Do you? What do? You, how do you feel about that? I mean, sabotages I, are I, just hard to come by. But like, I don't know what we're saving sabotages for anymore. Uh, it depends on my position relative to sure. the other players. Sure. So, like, if someone's playing impersonation and they're in last place, I'm not sabotaging that. If yeah. they're in first place, I'm not even necessarily sabotaging that. But it's. I'm definitely going to consider it more so. If I only have one sabotage and I think I have the best tempo or the second best tempo, sure. I'm probably not playing it no, on that. It's my because I want to make sure. Yeah, I I, I want to save it to play it defensively. Yeah. Um. So no, I I don't know that I don't know that you're ever going to be able to get people to yeah. 
commit to sabotaging that either i think it would just be hard to to wrangle it up i think that's what makes these some of these the best is because they a lot of them are pretty great effects and nobody's willing to make take that away from you think about how we used to think about rise of the messiah rise of the messiah was like a pretty often sabotaged card in base game because it's just like well we know there's four sabotages out there and this is one of the scarier cards out there but the way all this stuff has been reframed is sabotage is not a known variable anymore whereas it used right. to be a known four are gonna happen so we're hitting the four most powerful cards and now it's like we may never see a single sabotage so it's got to be saved for the absolute most potent things so i think these really good component action cards are actually some of the best things you can get a hold of in the action card deck just because you're going to get away with that extra value and a stall at the same time um, almost every single time yeah yeah. All right. Second uh, category of action cards. These are what I'm calling the agenda phase action cards. These are uh, just all the cards we play yep. just specifically during the agenda phase. That's the only thing that brings them all together. Um, they have been, they were not necessarily codified in the game rules, yep. but they have just kind of gotten to a point where this is where they exist and they exist in no other way anywhere else. Yeah. Basically. We run the agenda phase as meticulously as we do because of the action cards not because of anything else that happens right in the, if there if if there were no agenda phase action cards you could just like kind of have everybody vote and even right. in loosely the right order i mean you, you would probably vote in the correct order but more or less it wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world you would just know how the vote is going to go but these action cards are what throw any agenda into a new territory and change the scope of what we're actually voting on is all of these various agenda phase action cards. And so we have to change the entire way we play around them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, this uh, category, whenever we get to the full on action card discussion, uh, I organized it based on the order of window going into a single action phase, like in, in a world where each one of these cards got played. We're going to read them out in the order that they would all be played in, yep. which I think is kind of fun. Right. Uh, your third category is the space combat and invasion cards. Um, these cards actually also fit into um, a, a, a category that we're going to talk about in just a second, but I thought they were distinct enough to separate because they all specifically fall within the window of combat. Yeah. If you're looking at your little cheat sheet that you have with your fleet pool and your command tokens on it, these cards all happen in that uh, space combat to uh, gain control of planet window. Right. Um, so yeah, I felt like they were worth noting. Well, and, and those are important to uh, note because there's other things that relate to when space combat, like there's action phase secret objectives that are during space combat. Right. And knowing your action card can play into that is pretty important. So I think yes. separating it out this way uh, has really, really tangible benefit, which is like, hey, this could this could matter for a victory point for you. So you need to know yes. that these timing windows are relevant. Right. And uh, they also have like, some of them can be played offensively and defensively. Right. So that is, I think, another aspect of them that like makes them exceptional from yeah. these next two categories, which are essentially categories I could have I could have I could have just had one category with all of this stuff in one thing, but I decided to make three separate categories yeah. to make it easier for players to think about. Well and, and space combat and invasion cards are also the most important to note 
uh, essentially like when Hakan is in the game or whatever, or or also just some timings things. It's the most important time when the active player matters, right? Yeah. I can't. I cannot give stuff to the uh, defending player. I'm not allowed yes. to do that. Right. In almost no other situation does that matter with like trading an action card or trading things for an action card to be played or whatever. But space combat is suddenly when it's like quite important that someone wants an outcome but actually has no way to wheel and deal around that. So yeah, a lot of these action cards, like if you're trying to buy them or, or whatever it is, that might not actually be a viable thing for you to be arguing for because it's going to be non-binding no matter how you cut it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that next category. Um, I'm, th this is called the trap cards category. These are cards you play in response to other players doing something. So yeah. these are cards you would not play as the active player. You would play them against the active player when that player has, you know, activated your system or is going to attack you or something like that. Yeah. Uh, this is the one I referred to earlier. I think all of these are mean and possibly bad. Bad uh, in a fun design headspace. Uh, it's it's your sabotages. It's your whatever. There's lots of things where it's just like, uh-uh-uh, you don't do that. Or this goes poorly for you. They're the meanest cards uh, in the deck, I think. And most, a lot of them are... Um, the win slayers right the the right. biggest deals are in this section of uh of the deck the the things that will actually prevent someone from being able to win like half of these cards are capable of that in some capacity so um these these are the nasty ones to be like really on the lookout for yeah yeah um i will say though th this is actually the smallest categorization yeah um so i mean you know that matt doesn't like them but they're not there's not that many of them. Yeah, you know. I mean, they would be horrible if they were like a bunch of this kind of thing. Like that would make for right. some pretty nasty <laughs> gameplay. So it's good that there's not too many of them, but they are. They're devastating. Um, yeah. And the final category is sort of the inverse of the trap card. Hunter, you've called it the combo card, and it's uh, some a card you play in conjunction with the action that you are actively taking. So it's not a component right. action, but it's like an action enhancer. A thing right. you do in addition to what you are doing to make that action better in some way. Uh, your, right. your flank speeds, your your war machines, that ilk. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it also applies to the cards that you play just when you enter a certain phase, right. you know, like Summit. Yeah. You're just playing because you've entered the start of the strategy phase. Those cards landed here. Um, but regardless, my point, my point in this is I wanted to, to sort of just kind of guide newer players by saying like, here's like, here's all these cards organized by like kind of their use case. Yes. Um, technically space combat invasion cards, trap cards, combo cards. You could probably lump all of these together. Um, honestly, you could probably lump the agenda phase cards in it too. Basically, there's only two types of action cards, component action cards, and then yeah. all the other ones. Sure. But that did not seem very useful to me, so I decided to separate them in the way yeah. that I have. Well, and, and to try to separate them through uh, just timing windows alone also doesn't get you anywhere because there's a lot of cards that function very differently even though they are like in the same timing window or whatever. Right. So right. I, I think it's a useful classification, and we will... Uh, get to see actually how useful that is as we start to break it down, which we are going to do after this break. It is time to talk about every single action card.
test your might. It's time. Hunter, are you ready? There's 120 of these suckers. Now, there's not actually, right? We should get out of no. the way. Yeah there's, yeah, there's plenty of these cards that we are about to now talk about here for you, listener. But it's not quite 120, but it's sort of 120. There's a handful of uh, four ofs. We will talk about them as they come up. But Hunter, which category do you want to start with as we talk about every action card in the deck? Let's talk about your meat and potatoes your action action cards, the component <laughs> action. Action action, it's the action card of all actions. Component actions. Uh, so of course, uh, a shout out to uh, Quantum for having all this stuff typed up so that we could then quickly sort of reorganize it for our own needs. Yep, but, yep, 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 yep. Uh, there is a sheet out there that exists that is just a reference of every single action card. Uh, and it is uh, hugely useful for exactly this purpose right now that Hunter and I have, which is to, to read all of them at once. Yep. So first up on the list of all the action cards, we got yourselves a Cripple Defenses of which there is one of, and it is to choose one planet, period, destroy each PDS on that planet. And this is our first of many examples of a stall that can do nothing because the important yep. way that this is worded is that what you do for the action card is choose, choose a, planet. a planet. That's it. Yep. Just choose the planet. The thing that comes after that happens or it don't depending on what's there, but you get to choose the planet and it can just be whatever. And then you've right. done your and this stall. Is, this is any time. This is what I always say whenever people always try and bring this card out and then they want to extort everyone around the table so that they can, you know, make as much money as possible. And then they'll be like, ah, I'm just going to use it as a stall. Mm -hmm. I always like to say, hey, buddy, if you're trying to use that as a stall, all you got to do is choose a planet. You do not need to actually hurt anyone with this. Right. So either use it to hurt someone or don't. Yeah. But don't don't act like you can go around the table and extort the entire table out of this. Ooh, yeah. it just drives me nuts. Yeah. It drives me so nuts. Well, and, and it's too also a thing that because of the introduction of structure objectives that really, really, really encourage you to just spread out your structures. Like there's no reason to put two PDS on one planet anymore unless you're right. Winu on Mechatol Rex and you just get them for free or whatever. So every single target for this action card is almost always just one PDS anyways. It, you know, it could have used to be, oh, there's two PDS there. That's the juicy target. I better, you know, extort you. But at this right. point, that doesn't happen. So, yeah, no. it, it is a waste of everyone's time for you to go around and beg for money from everyone. Just play it or don't. Play it or don't. Um, I would say, too, like, you can, I don't know, like, like an alternative to, I, I get somebody might be listening and be like, but I want to make money. Yeah. Okay. But here's a way you can, you can make that money is sell the use of the card right. to someone in a for a specific purpose. Right. You know what I mean? Like, let's say uh, my neighbor is like the Argent Flight. You're and and Matt, you're the one that has crippled defenses. Mm -hmm. Throwing that card down and being like, "Hey, how much money will you give me to target that planet that the Argent has, so that you don't have to keep getting shot by PDS?" Right. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. That's a great use of it. You know what? You know what's even better about that is you throw the heat of the playing of the card 
onto someone else. They share exactly. that negative meta with you. They're still enemies with that person, not yep, yep, necessarily yep, yep. you. You just got paid to do the thing. Listen, hey, come on. I'm just a. I, we're all just subject to capitalism here. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No ethical consumption. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I just, I just feel like the, the, the thing that people always like to do of just trying to extort the entire table yeah. um, about this thing. Um, I, it takes too long and, and I feel like you don't get enough value out of it. So either sell it mercenary style, use it for yourself or just use it as a stall and don't hurt anybody. Yep. You don't have to hurt people all the time. Boat floating is very smart. Yep. I mean, it's been justified over and over and over that you should keep basically most of the players in the game so that whenever you get to the final round, the wind slay carousel can actually happen. Yeah. You know, if it, if it, there's no logic to it because a bunch of players are like, Oh, I'm going to throw out my hands then I don't know. What's the point? You're going to need these people probably. Right. Next up, we've got economic initiative. There's only one of these. Uh, and as an action ready, each cultural planet you control, it's like a, it can sometimes be a pseudo Diplo. It's got its uses. Diplo or uh, cultural planets have some pretty good explorers. So in that way, sometimes it can hit really, really juicy planets. You know, a prime orb with plus two resources. That's four yeah, bucks you sure, get back or sure. whatever. More often than not, kind of just like a nothing burger this one always ends up in the hands of the person with a single cultural planet and it's a zero or none two. yeah or none, none at yeah. all um yep. so you can do it you can play it without having having cultural planets right yeah, of course yeah yes, so, yes there you go yes this is this is a good example of the logic of these component action cards which is like listen i know it says this but just like for the most part, that stuff doesn't matter. You don't have to have almost any of the things the card says on it to do the thing you want to do. Ready? Yep, yep, Each yep. cultural planet you control can include the zero cultural planets you control. Yes. Yes. All right. The next action card is focused research. This is an action. Spend four trade goods to research one technology. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, for trade goods, especially nowadays, not that hard to come by. Uh, I would say that was the biggest limiting factor that it used to be, is that it's specifically for trade goods. Kind of an anti-Mentac thing to it. Mirror computing is not going to apply because they are yep. for specific trade goods. It's for Beyond trade goods. Beyond that, a tech out of turn order is uh, one of the really good things you can get these days. Getting yep. extra tech uh, can actually make or break some factions. So this can be very, very good for some bad factions. I would say that's one of the few instances we have in this game of actual comeback mechanics is these tech things because there's some factions that are good and more tech doesn't do anything for them but there's factions right. that are not very good but if they could just get the tech they need online they would be relevant in the late game and focus research uh, unlocks some of that potential yeah um i also think that this card is worth if you draw this card early in the game it's worth considering i'm not saying you should but it's worth considering hanging on to it in the late game yeah because i've seen a lot of games where basically what happens is like a stage two tech objective comes out mm -hmm. and then everyone's like well no one's taking tech because because tech uh is the seventh pick so how are you going to justify taking tech because you're going to lose on the seven right even though you're going to be able to score it or whatever and focus research is a really good way to be like listen i'm not going to win you know yeah. and then you 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 research that last tech uh, and tech is not on the board uh, for anyone else. So yeah. it's worth considering holding on to this to the late game. You do not have to. Obviously, getting a tech 
an extra tech early in the game can have a lot of benefits as well. But I just want to throw that out there as a possibility. There's a there's a few tech action cards, and this one is actually kind of one of my favorites because it's sort of just the cleanest because all of the others have some sort of contingency to them. And this yeah. is the one that's just research a tech. Just do that, yep. okay? Yep, Get yep, it yep. over with. So that's, that's quite nice. Uh, next up, we got frontline deployment. There is just one of these, and it is place three infantry from your reinforcements on one planet you control um i like this one a lot it's it's like a mech and a half on a planet uh for some fact for for an arbor wreck holy cow this is a game changer around one or round two or whatever yeah. this is yeah. this is a huge is cool deal for that way beyond that i just think forward infantry are never bad uh there it's always a nice thing so as a stall and a pretty much inherently good benefit this is a pretty good card yeah i think it's fine um it it the value of it went down a little bit from uh, base game to POK. It used mm. to be, I would say, a fearsome card, yeah. like a, like a, I've got this locked down and you are not taking this from me. Right. Um, and now it's a little bit like, yeah, okay, you gotta, you gotta bring a little more juice. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it can be, it can be very valuable depending on where it get, is used. Yeah. Next up, we've got Ghost Ship, which is another one of place one destroyer from your reinforcements in a non-home system that contains a wormhole and does not contain other players' ships. So an empty system or a system with your stuff and a wormhole in it. Uh, yep. The most notable thing that changed about this card with P.O.K. is this is your sneaky way to unlock uh, Malice and the wormhole nexus. Yeah. Uh, when when no one else has found the gamma, if you get ghost ship, you can just plop a destroyer in there, and then it flips the tile, and then you can send stuff through the alpha on a subsequent turn or whatever. So you have to be careful because other people also can go through that alpha. Right. But you get to sort of decide the timing of when uh, the wormhole nexus gets flipped. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Um, it it is kind of a shame whenever you use it in that way because. Everyone else is going to get a shot at Malice before you. Yep. Um, unless you happen to have fleet logistics, right. in which case this is a great turn. You yes. know what I mean? You're you're picking up Malice and getting the two trade goods off of the uh, the the old hero or the legendary planet ability there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's it is still at the end of the day, it's just a destroyer. So it's more than anything. This is just like a stall, and especially in the late game, sometimes there's no viable wormholes for this. That's yep. pretty rare. Yeah, that sucks. But especially on like our tournament maps where we like make sure there's lots of wormholes. But like in a standard casual game, you could be lacking in wormholes, and then this could be just an unplayable card. So eh, boo. But you're not missing out on that. You're missing out on one destroyer. It's a real cool way to get into an asteroid field that you're not supposed to be in. So yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's a pretty cool aspect that of it. That is nice. You do not have to have anti-mass deflectors to place a destroyer in the alpha asteroid field system. So that's yeah. that's cheeky. Uh, next up is industrial initiative. As an action, gain one trade good for each industrial planet you control. Very similar to economic initiative. I would say slightly better, obviously, because yep. readying yep. some cultural planets, you may not even be able to respend those cultural planets, but trade goods sit in your bank forever if you want them to. So uh, this this is one of those ones too that can be very sneaky and give someone a g the game. You know, 10 trade goods comes out. We yep. all denied trade, but guess what? I had this in like one other trade good action card and now suddenly I am the biggest threat at the table because you cannot get rid of my trade goods and I'm sitting pretty on what I need to win the game. So it's kind of a game winner sometimes. 
It can be. Uh, man, such a bummer whenever you don't have any industrial planets in yeah. your slice, though, for this one, which it's the same story with economic initiative. But yeah, pretty weird. Yeah. Next up is insubordination. This one's kind of a big deal. It is one of remove one token from another player's tactic pool and return it to their reinforcements. I feel like insubordination used to be a bigger deal yeah. than it is now. Token economy has maybe just gotten a little bit easier to handle. A lot of people have more money. So I find myself very often uh, failing to find a really good juicy target for this. And if anything, I more often put myself in that gross scenario where I'm like, I don't actually see a reason to insubordinate like the one person at the table I could actually hit with this. They got one token sitting left, right? This is the, the ideal use of this is that person saved one more token for yep. one final action. For one and I'm big going activation. to take that away from them. Yep. Yeah. But how often do I actually want to do that to whoever that is? Uh, you know, the, it's like the only, the, everyone else has four tokens sitting in their thing. I can only hit them. Are they even in the lead? Is there action they wanted to take? You might be able to extort some money with an insubordination, but I have found insubordination exceedingly awkward to play recently. Well, and another, an aspect of it that I think had happened in base game that had also kind of taken away its, its value is... Um, when lead from the front comes out, which is you can spend three command counters from your tactic and or strategy pool. Mm -hmm. um, what happened is people would be like, oh, insubordination could make it where you can't even get this point if you've already passed. Yeah. However, now everyone just puts all the tokens that they're going to spend on lead from the front in their strategy pool. So there's just no way for insubordinate to actually block yep. really anything. Right. So you basically have to know that, oh, they're going to want to do this activation. It's going to be a big deal. And then I play insubordinate. Yeah. So it can happen. It can be a big play, but you have to do a lot of reading yeah. uh, of your opponent in order to recognize that this is the time to do it. It is like you sort of just explained there though, for newer players, it can be surprising the ways in which you have to play around specifically this card when those oh, yeah. token objectives come up. And it's important to know that though, like, Hey, anything you want to spend for the point, needs to go in strategy and strategy alone because you cannot yeah. be relying on those tactics ones until this card is gone once this is in the trash can and there's no chance of it then coming who cares, out yeah. who cares do whatever right. you want right yeah yeah uh, you should just always put those tokens in strategy pool um yeah. just as a as a practice i can't imagine why you wouldn't basically yeah. right uh next up we got lucky shot there's only one of these and it is to destroy one dreadnought cruiser or destroyer in a system that contains a planet you control so lucky shot is confusing because we have to look at sort of what our verb here is we talked earlier about choosing one planet we are not like just choosing one ship here we are destroying yeah. one ship and the act of destroying one ship is not something we are allowed to do to ourselves but we are not just choosing a system with ships in it so because of that because we are actively doing the action of destroying someone else's stuff that means all of the things of this have to be this this is the hardest of the stalls right this is the really right. weird one that confuses and trips up a lot of people but you actually have to have a planet of your own underneath someone else's ships that you can then destroy that is the only way to use lucky shot as a stall so in that way it's kind of the first one you throw out because it's actually just like pretty rare that you even find the instances where it's going to become useful right yeah it's like you have to have the lucky shot condition met in order to use it as a stall um it's cool when you get to destroy a dreadnought besides yep. that it's right. not you know 
because of that specific condition that has to be met where your opponent has ships above a planet that you control. Right. Not that that never happens. It's just like you also have to have lucky shot in your hand. So now that's like yeah. kind of two two die rolls we got to achieve in order to do this just kind of mediocre, um, you know, stall action. But, you know, whatever. It's lucky shot. It's lucky shot. Uh, next up is Mining Initiative, another of our initiative cards. This, there's one of these, and it's to gain trade goods equal to the resource value of one planet you control this is the good one industrial initiative you might only have one industrial planet mining initiative you probably at least have a three resource uh planet uh more so than that with attachments this card got even better sometimes you can have right. five resources on a planet you Ugh. can technically have even more uh but and and think about the factions too that this is insane with gain trade goods equal to the resource value of one planet you control that includes home planets that includes a heroed titan's home planet to just yeah. make yourself seven dollars why not hey look at you you're so fancy uh so right. mining initiative is a huge deal action card i would say this is one of the best ones in this bunch yeah yeah, and POK definitely buffed it with the uh, whole uh, attachment paradigm. You're going to have something. You're going to have a ridiculous target for this. You're at yeah. least going to make three trade goods off of it, guaranteed every single time. So, yeah, pretty good card, especially to talk about in a vacuum. Yep. Uh-oh, it's time. It's Plague. Oh, it's Plague. It's Plague, which is a stall, and it's there's one of these, and you choose one planet that is controlled by another player. There's our verb just to choose a planet so we know that this is an open-ended stall it just works no matter what you do with it right right but then if the valid target has these other conditions you roll one die for each infantry on that planet for each result of six or greater destroy one of those units so plague got weird in pok because now we can have non-infantry ground forces on a planet that plague yeah. cannot yeah. do anything to right. uh but the stall nature has gone nowhere. You can just always stall with plague. And sometimes it hits absolutely no infantry. Sometimes it hits like 10 infantry and just goes crazy and, and nukes Mechatol Rex or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. It's a pretty good action card. There, we did it. We've we've gone back to the drawing board. I used to hate it. I don't. I didn't think it was very good. It's fine. It's a pretty good action card. It does what it needs to do when you need it. Man, you need to stick to your guns, because this card sucks, okay? <laughs> uh, Plague is not a good card. Uh, it doesn't... It wasn't very good in base game, and now it's even worse. It is worse. Because of mechs. Yep. Uh, it does not target mechs, so that's bad. Uh, it's it's merely a stall to me. Um, I've seen it played so many times, it's so rarely had any yep. real effect on the outcome of a game. Um, because yeah, can't remove those mechs. If we're playing on an important planet, then yeah, sure, we might kill a couple of the infantry, but that's not the strength. That's yep. not the thing, you know. Right. And also, a lot of times people will, you know, like let's say Yin's in the game and you want to troll them, yep. you just send mechs only. Right. So there'll just be plenty of planets that you can't even target with this. It's very yeah. annoying. The, Very the, annoying. The biggest problem with Plague is it's just, it is the time waster. We talked about crippled defenses for a while earlier about this, like, whole extortion stuff. Plague is so much, everybody's got infantry on some planets. So what, we're going to go around to every single player and look at every single one of their plants and be like, what about this one? Dollar not to do this one. Dollar not to do this one. Like, it's such a, t it's just a huge cost. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Time, don't do that. Which is why I will, like, I will 
I, I will pay you to play it on my planet if yeah. you want to do that, and then I will leave yeah. the game yeah. so that I can just not play anymore. Yep. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It, Pl Plague sucks. Yep. Pl Plague's not a good card. Uh, another big extortion one here is Reactor Meltdown, of which there is one, and is to destroy one space dock in a non-home system. Uh, if you got SAR or Winu yeah. sometimes in the game, yeah. just, just use R. it. Come on, be good to the table. Hit hit the thing that needs to be hit. Outside of that, this one gets awkward. Um, you have some games where the structure objectives don't come out and just like nobody has forward docks or whatever. That's always weird. Or there's just like the one person with the forward dock and you're like, yeah. I'm really sorry, but I have to stall and this is actually my only option so i'm gonna hurt you very badly this is this one hurts this hurts almost every single time depending on most of the factions this is also quite bad for cabal you usually want to do this to a cabal cabal and saw are probably the top two uh that you want to just go ahead and hit with with this because their space docks are the biggest threats to everybody on the board but beyond that yeah it gets nasty with like how you decide to spend this one huh it's funny that the verb has changed from crippled defenses to reactor meltdown. Uh -huh. uh, crippled defenses, the verb was choose one planet. That's all you have to do. Mm -hmm. And then reactor meltdown just goes straight, cuts straight to the point. <laughs> and it's just like, destroy the space dock. Can't be in a home system, but destroy yeah. it. It must be destroyed. So reactor meltdown, you really can play as like a, this is a stall. I'm doing something bad to you, but you're the only target. There's like no other way to play. Yep. And in that case, like, well... I would be sad if I was the target. You would have to just kind of understand, yeah. like, ah, uh, well, this is just how this is going to go, you know? Yep. Uh, next up, we have Repeal Law. There's only one of these, and it is just to discard one law from play. Repeal Law changed a lot going into Prophecy of Kings because in base game, Repeal Law, there's all these agendas that are victory points, and there was this mm -hmm. awkward quality of them where if you took them away, the person kept the point, and so then it was like, I don't know what I'm really doing with Repeal Law. Now, right. in terms of victory points, Repeal Law only applies to political censure, the one where the person has to not play action cards, but they get a victory point, but political censure is worded in such a way where if it's taken away, like via a Repeal Law, they also lose the point. So in that way, political censure is really annoying because repeal law can exist and is a pretty obvious target for the law to be repealed. Outside of that, it gets a little bit murkier because um, most of the things that are actually laws are not always the biggest deal in the world. Um, right. There, there's a few that come to mind that are like, well, okay, I want to get rid of like Imperial Arbiter. I'd like to get rid of maybe uh, the Minister of War, the things that I know have like the most potential. But beyond that, when it's like, I can't bombard cultural planets, like, okay, I'm just using this for the stall then. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes it's about the stall and it's about keeping the amount of laws passed low so that the person with the past three laws yeah. secret uh, doesn't have an opportunity to score it. That's fine. But yeah, mostly the focus here is on the stall. Uh, I would say it just re received a minor, very minor buff since Extra have lost their yep. old hero yep. uh, and no longer get a repeal for free every mm -hmm. game. So mm -hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, we've got next up Rise of a Messiah. This is a one of and it's to place one infantry from your reinforcements on each planet you control so this is that one you kind of save up for a little bit until you have like a good critical mass of planets and then you yeah, play yeah. It. we used to see it sabotaged actually kind of all the time which was like a little bit maybe surprising now looking back on it but nowadays this never ever ever gets sabotaged um i don't know if i like it more than frontline deployment or not i mean it's certainly 
defensively more useful just to sort of like build up a little bit of stock on all my planets but also like one singular infantry on each planet isn't actually making or breaking my defenses in most cases yeah yeah so i can't say rise of the messiah is something i care too much about i'm never sad to have it but it's not like it's changing my game outcome i like it whenever it comes out and i just have a lot of planets so that i just get a lot of value out Mm -hmm. of it but yeah, by and large, frontline deployment is like a simpler action card that will, in a targeted way, actually, I think, help you out in a more significant yeah. uh, aspect. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if I end up getting like eight infantry off of this, yeah. I'm going to be like, cool, that's that eight great. infantry. Yeah. You know, that's, sure. that's not nothing. Yep. Uh, next up is signal jamming. Signal jamming, I always, in my head, think there are four of, but there's not. There's just one signal jamming. Uh, if there were four, it would be actually kind of just like super annoying. But I'm always afraid. Yeah. I'm more afraid of signal jamming than I have any right to be, basically. But you choose one non-home system that contains or is adjacent to one of your ships. There's your verb. Uh, not that signal jamming is something we often see just like done as a dumb stall. I, I think signal jamming is actually used because then the use of it is to place a command token from another player's reinforcements in that system so signal jamming can technically get used in two major ways one is because you can hit someone adjacent to you someone can have a big fleet parked adjacent to mechatol rex while you're on mechatol and you can lock down that entire fleet that fleet is not coming to mechatol rex right alternatively you can make them you you can do it uh somewhere that contains your stuff you can just make them lock down mechatol rex so then their fleets aren't locked down but they can't send anything to the target destination so that's the two ways to think of signal jamming and of course the big problem with signal jamming is pok has introduced all of these ways for tokens to just get lifted anyways so by my metrics signal jamming has gone down in value since base game yeah, good luck using it against Mahawk or something right. like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I like that you're noting that it has a defensive or offensive use case. Um, I mean, yeah, it's taken some hits. It's always had the problem of, you know, we have warfare in the game. Mm-hmm. So like, but yeah, does warfare get chosen? Uh, generally, by the time signal jamming gets used, it's too late Yeah. Um, for warfare to save you uh, because you probably don't have warfare because otherwise, why are they playing signal jamming on you? Right. Um, it can be devastating. It used to, I would say, always be devastating. Right. Now it has maybe a slightly uh, lesser value. But no, I, th- I still think it can be. It can be critical. You got to choose the right target. But yeah, it, it can be real critical. Yeah. I'll save it over a lot. Like, I, I, I'll, I'll lean on the idea that that instance might come up and get rid of some, you know, decent action cards. Like, I'm not just throwing oh, yeah. out signal jamming right away. Um, I'll, I'll right. kind of hold out hope that it might find its moment to strike because when it's important, it's critically important. So, yeah, I, I, I like it enough. Uh, next up, we got Spy, which is only one of. Choose one player. That player gives you one random action card from their hand. Cool. Yep. That's that's it for that's Spy. It. That's I it mean, for Spy. <laughs> The last time we did this episode, we had probably like a 10 minute long discussion on whether or not you should sabotage a spy. And now the answer is, I mean, if you have the sabotage, it's still, I guess, slightly up for debate. It depends on how many cards you have, right? Like if there's a really high chance that you're going to end up giving them the sabotage anyways, you sabotage it because it's just like, whatever, I'm out one card. But the sabotage is almost always the best possible thing in your hand. So it's not like I'm looking to just burn the sabotage. But I have seen that done 
recently hmm. in competitive like i've seen people still sabotage the spy if it if, if, if it's two cards that you have you know you know sure. you know when you have to sabotage the spy well let, i mean if if we want to go into it yeah. uh i feel like the variables here are who am i who are they yeah, yeah um am i the leader am i winning this game right now then maybe i do sabotage the spy but depending on how many action cards in my hat I have in my hand, I still might take the gamble of yep. wanting to keep the sabotage to use it on something juicier. Yep. Um, I probably wouldn't care at all if, if, if I am not the player with the best tempo at the table and neither are they. Right. So if we're both kind of in that position of like, listen, I don't know, it's going to take some doing for us to win slay anyways. What do I care if my if this sabotage is in another player's hand? Because right. they're probably going to use it on the leader For anyways. The yep. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. There's a lot of situations where I maybe be like, yeah, whatever. Maybe you'll get my sabotage, and maybe that doesn't matter. Right. Right. A lot of sabotages these days are for the for the greater good. Uh, is, the greater is how good. A, a lot of sabotages get used. Yes. Next up is tactical bombardment. Uh, hey, guess what? It's another one of these weird ones. Choose one system that contains one or more of your units that have bombardment. That's the yep. only. There's your verb. You got to have a unit with bombardment. You got to have a dread or like a war sun or whatever. Then exhaust each planet controlled by other players in that system. It's entirely possible that no player controls planets in that system. And you can still do a tactical bombardment to no effect aside from the stall. But yep. if you happen to be parked above someone's planet... You can exhaust that planet, I guess. So the I've actual, never seen that done. Yeah, the, the, I've never seen that done. This now. is the this is the quintessential stall to no effect card because to do the effect is one of the most specific occurrences in the game. It takes so many weird little contingencies to make that actually yep. a viable thing to have happen. So you might as well just do it as an empty stall. Yep. And that's how it's done, and it's kind of a sad card. <laughs> yeah. A sad little card. It yeah. never gets used for its effect, and instead is just used as a stall. They should change the name of it from Tactical Bombardment to, like, Weapons Demonstration. Because <laughs> that's all you're doing is just, yeah. like, bombarding your own planet. Look and at just my like, Dreadnought. Look, there it is. Look at we yeah, look at what we did. <laughs> Yay, aren't we great? And then you're just kind of like, yep, and then yeah. move on. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got unexpected action, uh, uh, a huge deal. Remove one of your command tokens from the game board and return it to your reinforcements. It's the counter to signal jamming. Oh, dear, you put one there. I take it right back away. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the big thing that it can be confusing for new players with unexpected action is just that it's not the same as warfare. With warfare, you pull the token off the board and you put it back onto your sheet for yep. use again unexpected action you have to have planned ahead of time and have enough tokens to do the other follow-up actions you wanted to do because the action you take off the board goes straight into your reinforcements goes in the trash can it is not going to help yep. you the rest of this round it's true you do not gain it um it's fine it's pretty good yeah. actually it's one of the best actually yep. i don't even know why i said it's fine <laughs> it's 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 one of the it's still one of the best cards it's very important to be able to a suddenly unactivated and activated system. There's a yep. million different ways you could play this card uh, and all of them pretty good. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're not just wasting it, as long as you're actually going to do something right. with the fleet that you are then uh, lifting the token from. Love it. Yep. Do it. 
This, Great deal. This is one of our last remaining component actions that is actually sabotageable given the right conditions. You can yep. see when someone is unexpected actioning a system that really matters, and it's like maybe going to be their game-winning move. Okay, we will definitely be sabotaging that then. Um, it's it's one of the few that remains in this category of uh, actually huge deals. So yeah. you know, one I actually have a question about unexpected action that maybe we should get to the bottom with right now because I've I've seen this come up a little bit and I I forget which is the right way. Do you have to announce the the command token that you're you're taking from the board before they decide whether to sabotage it? If we're talking strictly within that very strict kind of munchkin style gameplay. Yeah, unexpected action is one where the verb, again, we, we have to think about these as what is the verb, and the verb is to remove one command token. And, and the ruling for action cards is when you play the action card, you technically read all of the text aloud and then uh, make the decisions. And then that's like, that's when it's been uh, played. So my understanding is you do have to choose what you're going to be removing you have to choose the target right. of your remove you have, to, verb. you have to do the verb right of it right and then sabotage can happen right so the, so technically when someone plays unexpected action if you're considering a sabotage you can wait for them you don't have to just throw it out there you can wait for them to remove the command token and then go all right that's yeah. not actually happening yeah. C compare this to plague earlier plague is the confusing one and the reason this question comes up because on plague you do choose the planet but you do not roll the die until after the sabotage window. I've made the decision. The rolling of the die is like a different effect that we are doing to finish uh, the card itself. So I yeah, choose yeah. what my target is. And then the player being targeted can decide, uh, do I think you're actually going to roll hot or do I care about this? Do I want to sabotage this? Right. Another example that we sort of just talked about, actually, that's super relevant is spy. Yes. So in spy, you are choosing one player. Mm -hmm. Then the sabotage would happen. But if not, that player gives you one random action card from right. their hand. Right. So yeah, it's a verb. And and because unexpected action isn't like choose one system, period. Right. Then remove that command token or it, from the whatever. Because it's all just one verb, one word, or yeah. one sentence, uh, that's why we for sure get to know exactly what's going on before we have to choose to sabotage it or not. Yeah. All right. The, the big thing to think about with that kind of a question is try to follow a no new inf no new random information rule with that. Yeah. It is not random who I'm choosing as a target, but it is random. If the effect is random, you do not get to know the results of that random effect before you decide whether or not that gets to be sabotaged. sabotage. It, yeah. yeah. It's not like you would roll the dice for plague and then at that point, right. Be like, no, I'm going to sabotage it because the rolls were high. That's not how sabotage works. Nope. Okay, but, cool. Next. That was uh, great is unstable planet you choose one hazardous planet exhaust that planet and destroy up to three infantry on it this one is fine uh again it's just a choose choose the planet you can choose a planet that's already been exhausted and it can have no infantry on it and then nothing happens and you just did a stall or you can actually cost someone five dollars and kill three infantry so the the range of effect of unstable planet is quite large yeah, it can be uh, it can be super important, or it can just be a stall. I don't know. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, you you do. So all you have to do is choose a hazardous planet. Yeah. Um. You now. Well, okay. I should put it this way. So you choose a hazardous planet, and then if if it can be exhausted, it gets exhausted. And then if there are infantry that can be destroyed up to three, those get destroyed. Yeah. You can choose an empty hazardous planet 
with that's already been exhausted and that's fine and yep. that's a stall that doesn't hurt anybody yep um so i just wanted to throw that out there yep. what's really stupid is the wording of unstable planet is so specific and our next card is uprising yep and it has an incredibly similar effect with very different very uh, different results execution yeah exhaust <laughs> one non-home planet controlled by another player the verb is to exhaust, so it must be unexhausted. You have to exhaust. Yes. There is no, you're not choosing a planet that then gets exhausted. Right. You exhaust the planet. So so there's no way to play it if you don't have uh, an, an exhaustible non-home planet controlled by another player. That's right. Then gain trade goods equal to its resource value. This one's great. This is another yeah. similar to our, our uh, uh, mining initiative. We can get a lot of money out of this. We can't hit Titan's homeworld anymore. That's what makes Mining Initiative even better. But this one can still get you like five bucks or whatever. And and also very often, it's that sort of the thing where it, like you get to tell the person, listen, man, comes with the territory. I don't know. To, I got it. I have to get five trade goods out of this. Like, I'm not going to just go hit the two resource planet. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy, man. You got to just right. let me go ahead and exhaust Barrig with the plus two on it or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Uh, generally, we'll get you some... Some trade goods and will hurt the other players uh turn i like that because of the wording there too we can't wait we just got to do it yep. we got to play our uprising get the get yep. the stuff if we wait too long then they're going to exhaust that planet and then we're not even gonna be able to use it so yep. i i like that dynamic of it yep um encourages you to play fast and play right away yep uh next up is war effort place one cruiser from your reinforcements in a system that contains one or more of your ships this almost like this almost could just be a combo card except that it is an action like it is a stall right and that's the only right. thing that keeps it here but beyond that it's just hey hey it's a cruiser it's good but this this is this is the uh mercenary outfit of action cards ah, i love a war effort it's fine this is good yeah yeah who doesn't want to just get a cruiser i mean cruisers aren't that great but it's you know it's free i could always use one yep. I, it's free it's free real estate yep let's just take it yep a uh, fighter conscription is to place one fighter from your reinforcements in each system that contains one or more of your space docks or units that have capacity that cannot be placed in systems that contain other players ships that last part is like a really specific contingency fighter conscription uh really annoys me though because imagine if it was like place one fighter per ship or space dock yeah, yeah then it would feel like rise of the messiah instead it's literally just one per system very often this is two or three fighters and that's it yeah i mean it, it can get a little better than that like yeah. it i mean i've seen it i've seen it be like six mm -hmm. but it's also the problem too is that the fighters are all spread out and yeah. Whereas like infantry all spread out is kind of annoying. It's still like somewhat useful mm -hmm. because that means each planet is just a little bit harder to take. And a lot of times in a two planet system, we're attacking that. We're gonna have to like make some difficult choices on the other side. Like, uh, are we gonna be able to take both? Are we just gonna be able to take one? And like, yeah, one infantry could make a difference in like that decision. Yeah. The problem with these fighters is they're spread out everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so yes, each fleet just got one more HP. But I would m so much rather have sort of the frontline deployment version of fighter conscription where I'm just plopping down three fighters in one system yeah. and saying, hey, I just got three fighters for yeah. free. Suddenly this this uh, this fleet over here is bolstered a little bit, has a little more HP, and HP is what wins yeah. the well, fight. 
and add to that, if you're a really good player, you've probably optimized all of your builds and you have exactly the right capacity for each thing to do what you want it to do. How often do you get that extra fighter, but then later, while well, I'm taking two infantry and two fighters yep, with yep, that carrier, yep. which means the, the, the last fighter is actually just getting left behind and killed. Fighter conscription yep. is only genuinely all good when you have fighter two without fighter two you could gain that fighter and then just have to kill it later because you don't have the capacity to do the thing you want to do later so yeah. it's it's not my favorite but it is just a stall that you can do at any time and that's about as much use as i plan for it if i get some actually good useful fighters out of it that's great but mostly it's just an empty stall in my head it's about as i mean it's it's a little better than war effort let's give it that it's Maybe. at least a little better than war effort most of the time i don't yeah. know i think it is yeah okay. i mean it's 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 more you're getting you're getting more ships in different places. Yeah. Um, if at least one of them is useful, I would say it's about on par with war effort. So it's okay. probably going to be more so. Yeah. Than war effort. Sure. Okay. I'll concede that. Uh, next up, we've got impersonation. We brought this one up earlier when we were talking on the first half of the show. Spend three influence to draw one secret objective it's essentially doing the secondary of imperial right that three influence yep. could have been a command counter so you can like yep. do it twice it's a i mean it's a huge deal getting more secret objectives is almost always good like we even said even when you've got three pretty good ones it almost it doesn't always hurt to do another uh at that point it just becomes the equation of like actually do you really need more tokens and, and you're good on secret objectives but like this is one of my favorite ones to get this is this is such a good action card because i just i am addicted to secret objectives yeah you are addicted to secret objectives i've been meaning to talk to you about that <laughs> um yeah i mean it's uh i wish there were like more of them i wish there were like four of them uh -huh, even uh -huh. um would be great um but because there's only one i don't go hunting for it a no, lot no um I mean, all of DET's relevance in my game has to just do with the fact that it can give me a secret objective yeah. sometimes, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah, this is a this is a good card. Yeah. This is a great card yeah. to get. Um, next up, we have Plagiarize. Spend five influence, kind of an awkward amount of influence, I'll say, and choose a non-faction technology owned by one of your neighbors gain that technology. So not research, yeah. gain. That gain does two things. One, anybody can do it. This is also plagiarize. Necro can do this because Necro's whole rule yep, stuff yep, 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 is yep. when they research tech, they get tokens instead. But Necro can actually use plagiarize because they can just gain the tech that they want to gain without doing any fighting. So five influence is kind of costly, but for a light wave deflector or something like that, uh, it's a small price to pay, uh, to pay for, for a really good tech. Um, but if there's no good text out there, then like, I don't know, this becomes, I just need to get two in two colors or something. Right. Right. Yeah. It can totally be about either getting a tech for the utility or just getting a tech because our tech tempo is off or whatever. Um, five influence. It's kind of pricey, but, yes. uh, beyond that, it's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a good one. Uh, it's, it's generally going to get you something worthwhile and right. i think it's cool that necro can use it to actually gain a tech yeah that's cool yeah it's uh, again we talked about this with focused research earlier i i obviously prefer focused research because focused research is like agnostic of what other people have it's cheaper and it's cheaper too. um but usually someone at the table that is easy for you to become neighbors with has something you probably are fine with getting so i don't know right um, blue tech is popular enough that a lot of non-blue factions can like still get their fleet logistics or light wave v via this action card so in that way it can be insanely useful uh depending on whose hands it ends up in 
Right. Next up, we've got Archaeological Expedition. Reveal the top three cards of an exploration deck that matches a planet you control. Gain any relic fragments that you reveal and discard the rest. That's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of whatever. I mean, it's the one you see turn into like, oh my gosh, they're doing the crazy. They're digging for the shards. They got enough shards. They're going to dig for a relic. Is it the shard of the throne? Oh my God. Like it, it has digging. that yep. gambly quality to it. But by the time it comes out, it can be, the, the decks can be so mined through that it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that it's three cards because that at least improves the odds over just like your standard scan linking or whatever. Um, right. So I don't actually hate this card, but, and, and also uh, a funny quality to it is the idea that you do discard the other cards that you pull. Um, so in a game with like some sort of late game scan linky thing, you can like deny people attachments. That's like, oh, yeah. that's an adverse effect and you're not like using it to do that, but you can throw, you know, a plus two plus one explore card into the trash can that nobody else can now get or whatever. Oh, yeah, I would love a situation where basically one player is hunting for attachments uh -huh. and one of the decks is has no fragments in it anymore. <laughs> Let's say the industrial deck is out of fragments. They yeah. all came up. Yeah. All that's left in there is attachments. And you're just like, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm going to look for some of the fragments in the industrial deck. And they're like, wait, why? No, 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 and it's no, like, no, there's no, none no. in there. And like, yeah. you know, I'm. But I'm just thinking about it, yeah. you know? There might be something good in there. And then you, like, draw the three attachments, and you're just like, those are out. You will never get them. Ha, ha, ha. I love that. That would be amazing. I mean, that would never happen, but it would still be cool. Yeah. Ne that would be some, like, finalist-level knowledge yeah, yeah. of what's coming up. Some Mantis-style stuff of, like, I'm just shooting every shot I got. Uh, right. Next up, we got Divert Funding Return a non-unit upgrade, non-faction technology, so a generic, uh, just standard tech of any color, and then, uh, so you return that to your technology deck, and then research another technology. This one's kind of funny because you return the tech into your deck before you research, so if you had two yellows, you cannot research a three yellow requirement technology right because you, right. you've already right. gotten rid of one you're not using the thing you're getting rid of to get the new technology you are more or less replacing its spot in the ladder or going lower unless you have relevant tech skips or whatever um, it is a research so you can use tech skips but this is mostly to just like cycle out stuff you're not getting any closer to uh most i mean you you can like get rid of a third green that you for some reason have to get your second yellow for two and four colors or right, whatever right and that's probably the main way this gets used um outside of that it's like i'm gonna get rid of sarwene tools in round five to get fleet logistics right <laughs> right or or i'm arborek and i'm gonna get rid of majin yes. for something for literally anything else <laughs> um i think my favorite use case for this is you're playing necro and you just throw away one of your techs and get three <laughs> command counters for it. You're just like, uh, I'm going to throw anti-mass in the garbage yeah. now. Guess what? If I want it, I can just go get it well, again. You start um, with Daxiv. So actually the Arborek thing sort of applies. It's like, I'm just going to oh, throw yeah, out this Daxiv yeah, yeah. I haven't ever used for I'm going to throw Daxiv in the garbage and get three command tokens. I just love that. <laughs> yeah. You got to use divert funding to get rid of one of the techs you started with just yeah. to puzzle people that come in uh, to watch your game on right. Twitch. <laughs> Next up, we have Exploration Probe. Explore a frontier token that is in or adjacent to a system that contains one or more of your ships. Pretty good. Don't need DET. Uh, this is 
the main way anyone explores the supernova, right? It's like the actual only standard way to get rid of that DET token because normally you just can't even go into that space. So in that way, it can be pretty useful. Um, Outside of that, like, I don't know, how much does one Frontier Explorer do for you? Depends on what you get, I guess. Frontier deck got better just recently with Codex 3, so uh, you might gain a command token for it. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, this is always fine to get. Um, it's it's a good stall with uh, some decent value. Uh, I like that it can be adjacent, which means we can always get the Mirage and the Supernova thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's really fun. <laughs> um, eh, eh, yeah. eh, it's eh. fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I like it. Uh, next up is refit troops. Choose one or two of your infantry on the game board. Replace each of those infantry with mechs. Um, this one can be really awkward in the hands of uh, folks that are looking to deploy their mechs in other ways. You know, your yins and your baronies that are kind of like, I'm trying to hold on to these, actually. I'm not really looking to just sort of, like, get them on the board or whatever. But outside of that, I mean, this is, this is pretty good. Um, up up some value by one and a half. One infantry into into a mech is pretty good, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's I, I like that it's one or two, so it's got a little bit of versatility to it, depending on your situation. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know... It's not some sort of thing, especially with all the replacing the new the new POK annoying rule yeah. stuff all has to do with like replacing mechs and yes. like moving them around and deploying them and all, all that stuff. That That's like the new grammar stuff that I think is harder to grasp at yeah. first blush. But yeah, um, this is uh, generally good. I mean, everybody's got good mechs. Everybody wants more of them. Yep. Yep. Uh, next up, we got Scuttle. Uh oh. Choose one or two of your non-fighter ships on the game board and return them to your reinforcements, gain trade goods equal to the combined cost of those ships. So if you built those ships for normal price, you're just converting into trade goods, which is even on the face of it, not that bad. Pretty good to just like have trade goods instead of planets, resources, or whatever. But obviously this gets even uh, crazier when it's like a nomad flagship that you didn't even pay for or whatever. And it's just free money. Um, So Scuttle has really become... A much better card i think in pok i love it um i i used it just the other day in an extra game where i sent my flagship across the board to go do some business and then i sent a dreadnought even to a separate system as well and was like all right we're going all for broke here these ships are out here um and people were like whoa what is your flagship doing out there and i'm like yeah it's done this thing and then my last action that round was like all right i'm gonna scuttle that stuff now and just get a bunch of money <laughs> yeah and that felt right it was like okay and you could even do that in such a way as to scuttle it and then maybe rebuild some of it if you if you want to have it this right. can be a value of 12 trade goods yeah or it can also be a value of like you know four yeah if, if you if you want to rebuild that flagship sure fine whatever you got to do that's yeah. that's all chill uh but i love the versatility of it i think yeah. it's a fantastic card i think it's one of the best cards in the game actually yeah. i think it's scuttle because it just allows you to turn your plastic into trade goods trade goods is the most valuable yep. resource that you have in the game yeah well and we talked about it with the other trade good uh action cards but this is the one where 
I mean, you can completely come from behind and like, oops, suddenly I can super duper qualify for that stage two. And yep. I was like, not really on the running. And now I am the player to beat. And I get to do it as an action card that I could have stalled. Like I can do, I can do it as the last possible thing in the round. And suddenly everyone is faced with the fact that I'm going to win th this game or whatever. Yep. So huge, huge deal in that respect that it can just be a surprise on the table. Uh, yeah. Our final component action card is seize artifact choose one of your neighbors that has one or more relic fragments so it's not just an empty stall they do have to have the fragment yep. that player must give you one relic fragment of your choice so steal Ooh. the fragment that you want from somebody uh this one's f fine i mean we don't love a relic deck around here so we're trying to get fragments to get relics and relics are generally kind of like only okay but I mean, it's worth noting there's also a secret objective out there that sometimes someone you can tell is just like sitting on two random fragments and you can deny a secret objective if you want totally. or at least extort for that. Um, and sometimes it's just a good way to actually get a, a quick ease. I mean, if you just lucked into two cultural fragments, you can steal a third one and not have to deal with any shenanigans. Just like, nope, that's mine. I'm getting a relic for free. It cost me nothing and it was a stall. Hey, great. Good for me. Yeah, um, it's... It's very important to note that you are the one that chooses which fragment it is. So the other day I was playing and someone played this card on someone that had like, they had like a, an unknown or a, a wild relic fragment from the frontier deck uh -huh. and like uh, two greens and then like one, one red and one blue. Oh and, and they were like, all right, I'm going to take the single green. So now they have so many fragments, but none of them add up to a relic. <laughs> to what you need. Uh, it was so beautiful and so obnoxious. Yeah. Um, loved it. Loved yeah. it. Um, okay, that is it. That is all the component action cards. It's time to move into all the stuff with way more weird timing windows, so we will talk significantly more about timing windows here. And we begin with the greatest timing window and greatest action card in the game. <laughs> At the start of the agenda phase, you can play Ancient Burial Sites, and you will... I'm, I'm going to ignore the text for a second, because what you will say is... Hey, everyone, I'm just going to go ahead and play this card so we don't have to think about this timing window again for the right. rest of the game. We're just going to be done because all you do is choose one player and exhaust each cultural planet owned by that player during the agenda phase, which is just removing like some votes that that player might have had. Uh, so kind of nothing when you're talking about a phase of the game where most yep. things are elected on via committee and your single votes alone do not necessarily impact the outcome and we're deciding this before we know what any of the agendas are anyway uh -huh, so uh -huh, just uh -huh. nobody cares and nobody cares we just use it on somebody who has none because we don't care and we just want to put this in the trash can so we do not have to think about it because we're such crazy people that we still say okay it's the uh, it's the start of the agenda phase does anybody want to play ancient burial sites well, like we we still do that we go through the motions right. we have to we have to <laughs> i elect ancient burial sites and tactical bombardment for immediate deletion <laughs> from the action card deck it will never we will never speak of them again yeah. i hate them yeah Man, I hate them. I would love to get to the point with this game where we have tournament rules and we 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 call the action card deck some and we get to make those sorts of calls. I would love to just fully remove ancient burial sites from the game. It serves yeah. literally no purpose. Nunsies and allsies. On to diplomatic pressure. We are now in our when an agenda is revealed. So the agenda gets revealed 
you know what the agenda is, and then you, first things first, get to do the wins. Wins also include things like quash, uh, but diplomatic pressure isn't actually going to have any effect on the agenda because it's just to choose another player. That player must give you one promissory note from their hand. This is usually kind of a nothing burger promissory note. You cannot play a second diplomatic pressure on the same person to get the juicy stuff. But what's annoying about diplomatic pressure is someone else can use a diplomatic pressure to hit the same target that you hit, and they will get the next worst promissory note from that player, which is probably actually kind of decent at that point, depending on what has happened in the game. So It's true. uh, Yeah, it's... it's this one, uh, there's four of them in the deck, yep. and the, uh, none of them matter to me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it always comes down to you give them your... your... Now, it's worth noting, this is actually something that's worth noting, is if they, if they happen to give you a political secret, it can come back around to you, and then you can then immediately play that political secret. Yep. That's something. That is something. That's about it. I feel like sometimes people miss that. Yeah. They forget that they're being given a political secret they can play right now. Yeah. But a lot of times people don't even give you their political secrets. Because no. so. yeah. yeah. like we talked about recently, I don't actually think political secrets are worth giving up because they could be more. Now, what's nice is, you know, for this agenda right now, if that political secret's going to matter. But what you don't know is if they're going to just hold on to that for an agenda that matters more. So, right. yeah, right. You're, you're giving away a trade agreement and just kind of being like, hey, well, we're going into like round three or four. And, you know, yeah, I, it's, I can it's give trade up. agreement or it's my crappy alliance. Yep. Wh- whichever one of those makes sense. Yep. 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 Um, okay, the other when an agenda is revealed is veto, which is essentially the exact same as Quatch, which is, is to discard that agenda and reveal one agenda from the top of the deck. Players vote on this agenda. Instead, we do all of these whens before other stuff that's going to actually impact sort of the desires of the agenda. A diplomatic pressure doesn't impact the desires. Veto and Quash don't impact the desires. They just take away the agenda we would have done. So veto is a pretty straightforward card. Uh, there's a few agendas out there that people start to sort of like beg for a veto for, uh, especially right. I think in economic equality, where there's really no good side for some players at the table. They'll just beg for a veto. I wish veto. So like if you notice something about the end of the veto card, it says players vote on this agenda instead. I wish that meant that players skipped to the voting. <laughs> and there was just no like cards that, to get played. Yeah. No, no <laughs> like if you veto the next agenda can have no cards played on it because you transition right into yeah. the voting stage. This is why I wish it worked that way. If anything, I mean the fact we've turned the agenda phase into I say we, like the community has turned the agenda phase into such a, you know, very specifically timed thing. And that again, that is only because of all of these cards we're talking about right now. I it would be interesting if the game leaned more into like if, if there was a fifth edition or a way to like rewrite the agenda phase i wish it would like include these timings as actual manifested steps because then you could do that you could just be like skip to step three of the agenda phase or whatever right but right now there's like no clean mechanical way to do that and i think that limits our agenda phases and what could be possible i would love to see more sneaky stuff thrown into agenda phases because you can impact what steps we even see in the agenda phase yeah yeah i would like that too if you could kind of like skip around them in in fun ways or or close them off right like close the after phase off and immediately (laughs) begin voting like actually that would be a fantastic card what if there was an action card you could play that was just like we begin voting right now. Yeah, like yeah. starting with me. Even right. that would be cool. Yeah. If there was a when an agenda is revealed card 
that you play it immediately begin voting and you are the first to vote or yeah. you are the last to vote i don't know which would be better i guess first to vote actually kind of sucks most of the right. time you are last yeah you, you yeah. vote after speaker or whatever i would love that That'd please so cool. please that's so cool yep okay we have kind of a long list here of after an agenda is revealed cards we're going to go through all of them uh the first one is one of the weirder ones it's assassinate representatives you choose one player that player cannot vote on this agenda not usually the biggest deal in the world a good way to just like it can be it can, it can be. be though it definitely can be it can't work on extra though which would be like the biggest person you want to hit with it but they cannot be taken out of voting so no effect there but plenty of other you know someone someone with just a lot of votes in their own right you can at least yep. make them go away a little bit it's a great on a second agenda card where maybe there's not a lot you you don't have a lot of opponents on this agenda maybe you only have like one major one yeah and then you take them out and then you're like actually i control the outcome here yep. that's like the best use case for assassinate yep. representatives well, so definitely keep it for that second agenda yeah and the bigger thing too is again we're, we're talking about a phase of the game where we're going around the table around and around and around and around and someone can play something and then it comes back you can say i don't play anything and then someone else plays something and it comes back to you so we're about to talk about a bunch of writers you can watch people play writers, take yep. themselves out of the votes, hold on yeah. to your assassinate representatives, and then see what the final total is looking like it's going to be and be like, actually, okay, I've gained more information. Now I'm going to go ahead and assassinate like the only other person left because everybody went to writer city or something, and I can just control this vote instead. So assassinate representatives is really interesting in that way because all these other ones we're about to talk about take yourself out of the voting, and assassinate is the only one that takes someone else out of the voting. Yeah, you can uh, maybe wait for everyone to play their riders and take, you know, maybe there's only you and one other person in there. You play assassinate representatives and then you're like, okay, I'm the only one you got to deal with. I decide whose riders are yep. going through. Give me money. Time to I, I'll take up. the highest bid. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's talk about all these riders. So all of these riders are the same, which is that it is after an agenda is revealed. And it makes it to where you cannot vote on this agenda and you predict aloud an outcome of this agenda. And then they all get you something if your prediction is correct. Leadership Rider, three command tokens. Pretty good. Pretty good. Real good. One of the, one of the best ones yeah. of the riders. Very, yeah. very good. Nine influence worth of a thing that you get to spend out of order. I mean, you're like you're not spending it. I mean, that's just like a huge deal. That's a huge gain. Um, frankly nuts. Yeah, frankly nuts. Next up is diplomacy. Uh, choose one system that contains a planet you control. Each other player places a command token from their reinforcements in that system. Uh, what's yep. beautiful about this card is while it's not always useful... Uh, the person with Mechatol Rex can use it where they normally cannot use yep. the Diplomacy Strategy card on Mechatol Rex. So in that way, this sometimes can have a devastating effect. Most of the time it doesn't, though. Right. Most of the time it's not the biggest deal in the world. Yep. Um, it's really only good in the hands of the player of Mechatol Rex that also is going to get Imperial too. You know what I mean? Like yep. Most of the time I'm like, oh, I don't care. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll support a diplomacy rider if that player isn't going to have Imperial. Yep. If it's all just about stopping, yep. you know, the tempo player who might be taking Mechatol Rex, then I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, overall, uh, the, the stars have to kind of align for this to be a critical one. But it does happen, and it can happen. Yeah. Uh, the biggest game changer of the riders i would say is the politics rider to draw yep. three action cards eh, we're talking about action cards today three action cards not like the biggest gain but you also gain 
the speaker token and the interesting yep. quality of the politics writer is almost always you have a couple people in your camp because yes, guess what? Allies. When that yeah. speaker token moves to that person, it moves them up some amount in the order. There are very few positions that the speaker token can move to that's bad for people. Uh, yeah. So you're at least going to find like two people, if not everyone at the table, would prefer the speaker token to move to you rather than whoever already held it. So politics writer, hard. The only person who wants to sabotage it generally is the person with the speaker token or if the person who's playing it is like the gonna win, just like obviously gonna win next round or whatever. Beyond that, like a politics writer gets through pretty often, I would say. Yeah, um, because yeah, you're gonna have natural natural allies in the phase that want the speaker token to move because it improves their speaker position. You do have to play this correctly, though. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is not the easiest thing to establish. If you are merely moving the speaker token to the right, like, if you're last in pick order and you're trying to play politics writer to become first in, in picking order, yep. that actually isn't going to go through. Right. Because no one wants that. Exactly. Literally, everyone's position is going to suffer, and you're the only one getting anything. Right. So you do have to sort of, like, let the speaker token be on, like, the other side yes. of the table right. in order to make this work. And you also have to make sure that if you're going to play it, that your friends have not also played riders, yep. and so therefore will not be able to vote. So right. you can mess it up. It's not a, it's not the easiest slam dunk in the world, but generally speaking, you can work the table yeah. with this card. It's also not so advantageous for some, for enough people that you're not getting away with like making some horrible agenda hat. Like you know, sometimes there's like an agenda that you really want to do to like really nuke a bunch of stuff on the board. People will not always prioritize their sp speaker position over all the plastic they're going to lose in that right. outcome. So you can't just make anything happen. You cannot play your politics writer on just any old agenda. There's There are wrong agendas for the politics writer or the wrong side of agendas for the politics writer to be placed on where, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm third... If I'm fourth in speaker order and I'm going to become third in speaker order because of your politics writer, it's only moving forward one, and... I'm I'm like that's not improving my position. It's improving my position a little bit, but I'm still going to get crap as uh, right. as a, as a right. strategy card. I'm not getting imperial, I'm not getting leadership. I'm not like I'm like not necessarily getting the like really good stuff. So, if I don't like the outcome you've chosen, I'm eh, just uh, it's fine. Whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to go with you then. I might get paid enough to vote the other way. So, it it's still a dynamic one, which is also what makes it like I mean among the most interesting of the writers because there's just always something going on with it. It's true. It's true. All right. Construction Rider. Um, this one uh, will allow you to place one space dock from your reinforcements on a planet you control. I wish it was space dock or PDS. I know. Instead Man. of just being space dock, but um, not that, you know, space docks are obviously, for the most part, more important yeah. than the PDS unit, yeah. but that versatility would make it easier to find opportunities to use this in interesting ways. Yep. But sadly, it's just space docks. And, uh, yeah. Most of the time, it comes out too late. Yep. That, that's the problem is, right. by the time we're getting to the point where I have a writer that I and, and we're at an agenda phase where I can play it, I probably already have my space dock situation yep. figured out to where I don't really feel like I need another one. Yep. So. Yeah, this one's annoying. This one is like when someone has that Minister of Industry uh, agenda. Like they are the minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th that's what this should be, right? This should be 
place a space dock and build stuff out of it right Whoa, now. Oh, that like, would make it really good. That would make it really. I mean, if it was like a limit or something, but that's the whole thing. Is it's like when it's just a space dock, it's like nothing. It's it it's so rarely is a is a game changer to me. Unless there's structure objectives, and then maybe it's a big deal. I don't know. Whatever. Sometimes that stuff comes up. Next up, we've got the trade rider, which if you get your prediction correct, you get five trade goods. Uh, this one's nice. This one's also juicy in the non-binding way of five trade goods is a lot. And you don't always yep. need five trade goods, but you know you might get those trade goods and you can offer those trade goods to the people that help you pass the trade writer. So trade writer has a little bit more oomph to it to make certain outcomes happen because you inherently have a tradable commodity to give to the players that might decide to side with you. Yep. Uh, it's it's good. I like it. Um, I think it's better to play it um, and then buy the votes outright with trade goods you already have sure. and just promise them. If you've got them. Um, but if, if it's a nothing burger agenda, yeah, people will play ball with that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. I prefer to get all five trade goods if I can, please. Sure. But three trade goods is also quite good. Yep. So I don't know. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's hilarious, though, to, to note. Like we just said, like th even three trade goods is pretty good. And then you look back at Leadership Writer again, and you're like, nine influence? What? <laughs> the Leadership yeah, Writer is really writer good. Leadership Writer is so good. It's so good. <laughs> three command tokens is so many command tokens. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Next up is the Warfare Rider. Place one Dreadnought from your reinforcements in a system that contains one or more of your ships. $4? There's a $4 Dreadnought you didn't have. Uh, I like it. Sure. It's it's the one where it's you fine. get this to pass in your favor pretty often. It's like, is anyone afraid of a Warfare Rider? No, no. In fact, I get annoyed when people are like turned off by my Warfare Rider. I'm like, really? My one Dread is really going to convince you to go a different direction? It does happen, and I know it can come up, but just like, I am always annoyed when I'm like, I thought this was inconspicuous this is like a lower tier writer and we're all gonna freak out about my one single dreadnought or what's worse you do the warfare writer first and then someone else plays the leadership writer in the same direction as your warfare writer. yeah and you're like you're, i wasn't asking for anything i wasn't right. trying to do anything fancy and then so and so comes in here and ruins my day i just wanted one yeah. dreadnought come on man matt is really reliving some warfare writer <laughs> experiences over here literally <laughs> in game he's got his game face on right now just like in the zone just like mad about you not letting him listener please let matt have his warfare rider jeez god jeez so rude. yeah what it's just a dreadnought um i think you know sometimes construction rider is actually pretty good um warfare rider is like always worth a dreadnought so it's just it has this kind of solid value that's just okay but i would put construction rider and warfare rider in the bottom tier of these yeah. riders yeah next up is technology rider which is to research one technology uh, yeah. obviously for necro this is as good as leadership rider this freaking rules for necro uh for right. anybody else though hey technology has a tempo set by the game yeah. any tech you can get outside of that tempo is a bonus in some way same it's argument good. we made earlier Bad factions love this more than good factions because their yep. tech is probably more important. So technology writer, pretty good. And if you're a bad faction, more often you can probably get away with it because you can just be like, listen, I'm getting something that's going to make me relevant, not that's going to do anything scary. Um, the you know, it's, it's pretty rare that the technology writer is actually quite scary. There's only a few factions I feel like that applies to. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, I love when I draw it. Um, I think it's quite good. I think it, it's, it's in that sweet spot of being like, Pretty good, but not so good that everyone's upset and you yep. have to really like play mm -hmm. around the whole idea so much. 
Um, nobody likes giving up a tech, but people get extra tech in every game. Yeah. It just happens. So it's yeah. not it's not this super abnormal thing, you know. Right. And the final rider, uh, there will be other afters, but the final rider is the Imperial Rider to gain one victory point. I just feel like Imperial Rider has gone out the window. Either it gets sabotaged. People are too good at the game. People are too good at the game. It either gets sabotaged or literally no outcome of the agendas is worth giving someone a point. Unless you don't care unless it's so in, it's the person sitting at two while everyone else is at five or six like sure. sometimes yeah. there's people that are just allowed to get the imperial rider and it's fine so yeah i feel like in the last time we did a, a, an action card episode we really rated imperial rider quite highly and it's like it's still a threat it's still a thing that like you have to consider but it's not actually it's always playable around. You can do something about it and and it not be a big deal because if it's it if, if it's the big threat, then you're just not going to go in that direction. The only bad thing that can happen is a rider city an agenda where there is no other outcome and no one has a sabotage and the good player has the imperial rider. But how many yeah. times have we seen that happen? Not that yeah, much. Yeah, it, it can happen every once in a while, but yeah. you know the thing that made imperial rider good in base game that has really gone away is the idea that the action card deck has supplied all mm -hmm. of the players with all of the riders. Right. So basically, Imperial Rider is a matter of waiting for all the riders to come out and playing it yep. in the right way as to force them to go the other way. The ideal situation is Politics Rider and Imperial Rider in the same player's hands. Yep. The Imperial Rider one way, the Politics Rider the other. They basically say, I'm either getting a point or I'm getting good speaker position. Yep. Take your pick, yep. you know? Yeah, the, so imperi that's, that's the, the Imperial versus Politics Rider was like a known variable of every game in base game. Even when it wasn't the mm. same person with it, it was like, listen, I, we can we can do this one or two ways. Like, that always happened, and now right. it's just like, I don't know, it's just a total crapshoot. So that... that Only, only Asarl gets to play like that anymore. Yeah. It's really just that Asarl gets to play like how base game worked for action cards, right. but everybody else doesn't get to. Which I'm in favor of. I think it has made Asarl more interesting. Like, Asarl has become a better faction and more interesting because of it. Oh, yeah. So I like yeah. that they're the action card. They, they really had become not the action card uh, faction in base game. And now they and are. And now they're back yeah. to action card faction. Yeah. Um, okay, we got two more afters here, or uh, a few more afters here, but none of them are writers. They're not nearly as big of kind of functions. The first one is hack election, which is after an agenda is revealed during this agenda, voting begins with the player to the right of speaker and continues counterclockwise. So you reverse the order, speaker still votes last, everything else is reversed. This is almost never relevant. Uh, sometimes it can matter for you. If you would be voting first and instead you get to vote second to last, that's fine, but also still yep. might not matter. But that that's a decent situation when you would maybe play hack election. Yeah, it's like you have to be like there's like two seats at yeah. the table that you need to be. Yeah. You need to either be sitting to the uh to the left of the speaker or you need to be sitting in the next seat, right. I guess. If you're right. if you're one more, then it basically makes no difference to right. you. If you're the speaker, it makes no difference to you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't it's it, that's the problem is that it's a cool card but with such a specific use case that it pretty much never comes up yeah this is this is your ixthian artifact or your uh what's the one what's the agenda where everyone's going to pick other stuff if you're playing with a fun table you just do this at a fun time and even then hack collections like not always like fun it's not always doing something interesting so whatever a pretty much a nothing burger you will get rid of this if you go over your hand limit i got a use case for it though i like it if I'm going, because it's in the same window as a rider, uh -huh. 
if I have both this and a rider, I'll play this first, not because I care about the order, but because, you know, anytime you have a rider, there's that thing of like, I don't know if I want to play my rider first. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So like, maybe I'll just, I'll just like, I've, I've been in situations where it's an agenda phase and I'm like, I have to decide whether I'm playing my rider as the first, like, or second player. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just not play a writer and hope somebody else does. Right. So that then I can play this in response to where they play. Right. Um, and then they won't. And then I don't even get to play the writer. Because right. I'm like, oh, no, Disaster. I passed on my window. Yeah. Um, this is a great way to just, like, throw that out there. Yep. Get the conversation started. And then see what uh, what what people do. And then play your writer as your second action, yep. basically. Yeah, that's handy enough. Uh, next up, we have insider information. After the agenda is revealed, look at the top card of the agenda deck. This is obviously significantly more useful if you use it on the first agenda, where you are now yeah. looking at the second agenda that you will be voting on in just a few minutes. Whereas if you use this on the second agenda, you look at something that may not be there later because politics is just going to move stuff around anyways. So insider information is pretty much thought of as a you must use this on the first agenda otherwise you're wasting your own time and even then i would say it's middling in how much it matters to you it's pretty rare that you see that that second agenda is something you really 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 care about and are saving your influence for or whatever although i would say the inverse of that is at least useful to know that like right. actually nobody nobody else knows what the next agenda is i know the next agenda is a nothing burger which means this kind of middling agenda that we're doing right now i can kind of overspend my votes on it yep and yeah. get away with just like a quick little easy thing. That's that's nice enough to to acquire. Yeah, I I uh I think it's got some decent potential, but yeah, it's about like hack collection where it's like ninety five percent of the time it's basically useless, and five yeah. percent it'll be like okay, that was kind of all right. Right. Yeah. Um. And then the final after an agenda is revealed, uh, action card is sanction, which is that you cannot vote on this agenda, so it acts kind of like a writer predict aloud an outcome of the agenda if your prediction is correct each player that voted for that outcome returns one command token from their fleet supply to their reinforcements so this is Ooh. like the big mean nasty writer you're not getting anything for it you are only using this to prevent an outcome you don't like you're sitting right. on mechatorex Ixthian Artifact just came up. I'm going to put a sanction on four because I really would just prefer it if you all would vote against this so that I don't have to deal with it. So I'm going to make it cost you to vote four. Right. Yeah. And uh, I would say it's pretty effective at that. Mm -hmm. um, losing one uh, command token from Fleet Supply is, is kind of tough. The other problem that I have about it, though, is that you have to vote, which means... They can always do the old nobody votes and right. then the speaker breaks the tie thing. Yep. Um, so you you do have to be a little careful when you play it. It's not as simple as play it and effect is done and there's right. no way around it. There right. is a way around it. Um, so just make sure that that's not possible. It's best, I think, played in conjunction with other riders and as yes. a response to other riders right. as well. Right. It's a poison pill for an a, a overridered side yeah. of the agenda. Yeah. That's in that way. It's pretty nice. Uh, next up is a new timing window. After you cast votes on an outcome of agenda, you do distinguished counselor to cast five additional votes for that outcome. I want to talk about the next action card at the exact same time as this, because they, these two get confusing and they're easier to talk to together. So next up is bribery after the speaker 
votes on an agenda, spend any number of trade goods for each trade goods spent, cast one additional vote for the outcome on which you voted. So these are our two add votes action cards. Yeah. But yep. one of them is literally just, I'm voting right now. And surprise, I had five more votes than you thought I had. Exactly. And that's all it does. Distinguished Counselor is just adding five, but it's a known variable now. If you are the first one to vote, you do this, and everyone just goes, okay, we just kind of adjust how many we vote for. If you are the right. last person to vote, cool, you might have actually snuck a little agenda there. That's fancy. But bribery distinctly works differently, which is, first and foremost, for it to have any effect, you need to have voted. You have to have placed at least one vote in a direction on the agenda. If you abstained, the, the last part of bribery doesn't take effect because you don't have any additional votes with which to cast. You just, you didn't vote. That's true. So yeah. you have to vote. Then you have to wait for the agenda to be done for the speaker to vote. And then you can look at the totals and spend trade goods to cast additional votes. So in that way... Bribery is pretty hard to use because of how often yeah. agendas are just like known variables, but it can come up. I think people talk about bribery and are afraid of bribery more often than they ever should be, but yep. uh, it, it's come up. I, I think it's maybe more a base game card than it ever is now, especially now you got like Hakan who just sort of like does this with their commander. But they in, have to in, do it, though, when they their, vote. When they vote. It's a dis distinguished counselor kind of vote. So, yeah. It's intended to be a little sneaky thing, but I don't know. It's hard to have enough trade goods and for those trade goods to be worth the votes you're spending them on. I think that this card could have been good if not for the word additional. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't, yeah. if it was just... Because it, it, it would also be awesome. Let, think about it this way. What if bribery happens after the speaker votes on an agenda yep. and you don't even have to have voted at all. Yeah. In fact, maybe you couldn't vote because you had a rider on right. and now you're playing bribery to da 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 My Imperial rider goes through. I got it. You right. know what I mean? Like That'd that awesome. kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. And I think bribery, I don't know the, the word bribery. Yeah. That's a big word. It's nefarious. You know? and it, it's nefarious. <laughs> I wish bribery was this big, chunky, meaty, uh -huh. evil, bad card where when it gets when it gets played, everyone's like, No, yeah. bribery, I hate you. <laughs> but like instead it, it just is locked up a little bit. Yeah. It's a little just like I wanna free it. I wanna I want it to be free. Yeah. To yeah. do what it wants to do. I think we both just really wish for agenda phases to get way more dynamic. And I think there's a lot of things put in place to protect agenda phases from getting too confusing. And I think we argue, actually, it would probably be better if agenda phases were like a bit more chaotic uh, and, and unpredictable. Uh, right. Speaking of, next up we have the two legal texts, confusing and confound confounding. Confusing as a legal, or as a base game action card, when you are elected as the outcome of an agenda, you may choose one player, that player is the elected player instead. This is, of course, <laughs> primarily to dodge bad agendas. In base game, there was only one, so this was the uh, horrible card. There are more bad agendas, but not that much more. Not enough for this so, to so have become good. So it's for elect player specifically agendas, though. Yeah. Uh, is, is what we... Yeah, I don't want someone getting confused. Sure. Uh, from the confusing legal text. Um, but yeah, so it's just uh, you get elected a bad 
thing and then you play this and you give the election to somebody else or you get elected a good thing and then yeah. you sell it yeah. which doesn't make everyone sense. has That's always weird. tried to make that argument and i've always hated it it's always nasty to me because it's just like fine, i mean whatever if someone's buying that from you i think they're a chump if someone's buying yeah. that good thing off of you or whatever after they could have just bought the votes whatever but the other one that got added in pok or in the codex i forget when it was at, i think it was added in the codex is confounding legal text when another player is elected as the outcome of an agenda you are the elected player instead. This is how you can score some writers pretty reliably. This is how yep. you can steal agendas from someone who was going to score a writer. Uh, because this effect takes place before you finish resolving the writers. So you are still deciding the outcome with this card. So confounding legal text works the way everyone wanted confusing legal text to work. And is actually like a kind of decent card. A pretty good card in a lot of cases. If, I gotta say this real quick. If... You are doing an elect player agenda and someone at the table plays a leadership writer and predicts anyone you have to sabotage or sorry, not anyone. I'm wrong. If they predict themselves, yeah, you have to sabotage it because they 100% have a confounding. Nobody in their right mind plays writers on elect player stuff anyways. Yeah. And whenever they do and predict themselves, it, it definitely means they have confounding, yeah. which is the whole point of them doing it. So, yeah. yeah. Rough. You, 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 you got to hit that. That It's it's a pretty potent card, I got to say. I, I, I fear confounding legal text quite a lot. The final agenda phase action card we have is <laughs> the uh, hindsight is 2020. We wasted a lot of time action card. Deadly plot during the agenda phase when an outcome would be resolved. So we're just about, we've we've played confounding legal text. We've played all of the things. Everything is done. We are about to establish the outcome of this agenda. If you voted or predicted another outcome other than the one that is being resolved, discard the agenda. Instead, the agenda is resolved with no effect and is not replaced. Uh, you can have done a 20-minute long discussion about all of this stuff and then decide at the very end things didn't go your way and play a deadly plot right. and feel like right. you wasted a lot of time. My favorite thing people do is when the very, very complicated agenda comes up, they just go ahead and say, hey, y'all, I have deadly plot and I either want this to go this way or it's just not going to happen at all. So let's right. just sort of do that. And that's probably that's not playing optimally, right? You would love for people to burn writers and stuff. So I get yeah, why but it takes we time. waste it takes takes yeah. so much time. So in your casual games, I advocate deadly plot, just announce yourself. Just say you got it and let's see if we want to get through this a little bit faster. In competitive games, I get it. No harm, no foul, but deadly plot can feel like a big time waster in yep. in in the after effect. Yeah, it's like the optimal play of it is to get this loaded agenda going as heated as possible uh -huh. and then yeah and then you play it and it's just like ah eh, you know whatever why do we but do yeah. all that talking <laughs> yeah we do all that talking and then you're just like throw it out throw yeah. it out the window forget <laughs> about it it's gone that said it's um, a pretty big deal because it's another way uh, outside of veto to get rid of your uh, economic equalities or even like your Ixthian artifacts, stuff like that. Yep. Like the really, really yep. big deal agendas. That's oh the God, best if you time. deadly plot Ixthian, you better not be coming over to my house. <laughs> Let me tell you that for sure. No, get out. You You're not coming. You're not fun in. Little yeah, so how dare so. you deadly plot the fun, okay? <laughs> Ixthian is a four only agenda. There is no against uh -huh. and no one can rider it. 
and no one can deadly plot it. Come on, right. people. Come okay. on. We are only like, I feel like halfway through these cards. We're probably a little bit past halfway. Uh, we're, we're past halfway. But we're into our new category, which is the trap cards, the mean cards, the ones that make you feel bad. Again, this category is you are going to do something, but your friend says, ah, 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 not on my watch. Not can't, on my watch. Can't let they you say. do that, Star Fox. Uh, first is one of my favorite ones of this group, actually. Experimental yeah. Battle Station. After another player moves ships into a system during a tactical action, choose one of your space docks that is either in or adjacent to that system. That space dock uses space cannon five times three against ships in the active system. This one's pretty wacky. Uh, yep. Five out of three is a good, a good little. I mean, this is this is a PDS two that you've turned your space dock into. Um, that moves ships into is such a funny little condition because Twilight Imperium doesn't have strict like phases of when things happen. It's not after the movement step. They do actually have to have moved a ship into that system for you to be right. allowed to do experimental basilation. If they were just like for some reason already there and they're like like if you got a space dock adjacent to someone else's stuff and they're just like activating to build in their system, you cannot experimental battle station then unless they move a ship in. And that also includes yeah. like oh a carrier pops out, grabs an inventory and comes back, that carrier is moving into the system. So as long as you get all those qualifications, you can do a roll. Now of course, 3 on a 5 60% chance for each of those dice. It's not the worst dice roll in the world, but also this can be nothing. Experimental Battle Station can be nothing, but the number of times I have seen Experimental Battle Station played on an activation where it's like someone sent one of those fancy Cruiser 2s they're always going on and on about to snipe something, right. and this right. completely stops it in its track because it's like, hey, my Experimental Battle Station only actually needs like one hit and that's also not accounting for if i have a pds grid that this is just adding to it's just more dice for me to roll as opposed to this being the only three dice i do so right i freaking love this card even though i have been hurt by it very badly before oh yeah it can be super painful um i really love it especially when it's used in conjunction with a pds network mm -hmm. if it's like i'm um, Argent Flight or something, oh and I have gosh. all my PDS online, and I'm adding this to an already <laughs> insane number of dice that I'm already rolling. Love it. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Every time it comes out, it's a, it's just a good time. It's yeah. a, it's it's a it's a great little card. Uh, next up is Public Disgrace. When another player chooses a strategy card during the strategy phase, that player must choose a different strategy card instead. If able, we said this earlier. This is perhaps the most sabotageable action card in the entire game because in the final round someone with good tempo and good scoring usually all they need is leadership or imperial to lock it up and you get to just keep kick it out of their hands and that is like the main way this is used i would say this is not the most the the maybe the opposite of this one political stability would be the most sabotageable mm. because public disgrace oh you're is right. generally going to be played on a player for the good of the and table. then every yeah the whole table wants it yep and basically the only way it gets sabotaged is if the player it's being used on right. has a sabotage right but if they do then you're probably about to win the game off of that sabotage so yeah public disgrace is always saved for what it what the players think will be the final round although yep. you never know for sure sure um and then played on that player with the best speaker order plus best point tempo yep so it's kind of it's it's hopefully both uh, definitely don't do it 
just on the first person to pick for no reason. Right. Also very good, you know, some some people like to use it in the earlier rounds to just kind of take control yeah. of uh, maybe even, like, let's say uh, you could use it on round three or something in order to steal politics yes. from the player that's trying to take it and then decide, you know, your your speaker order yeah. going into the final round or that's something like that. That's my favorite use of it because you're doing it at a time where people will think there's still time for them to respond. Like, I don't want to sabotage yeah. that. Maybe yeah. I can yeah. work with that. And so you get away with what is actually maybe your game-winning play <laughs> in Could playing be. that card then, and and nobody does anything about it versus later when it's actually just for all the bananas where just it's whether or not you get Imperial or not. I love public disgracing someone taking politics so that you can get politics. I think that yeah. is way more interesting and dynamic, even though it doesn't happen nearly as often. Or Imperial, change your tempo yeah. from just merely going to be good for round five to right. like maybe I'll win, win round four. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's always great. Love yep. that. For sure. Uh, next up, we have been talking about it all day, but it's Sabotage. When another player plays an action card other than Sabotage, cancel that action card. There are four of these in the deck. We are always looking for them when people do certain actions. But like we've kind of yep. talked about, the theme of POK has become Sabotages are not known variables anymore which means they have gone up in value. I'm not just sabotaging any old action card, whereas in, in base game, I would have done that. There are some action cards that are okay that I don't want to see happen because I know that the other three sabotages are going to show up and that the sabotages are for the good of the table. Now, the one sabotage we see might be the only sabotage that was ever acquired in the game. So these things are a prime commodity and are plenty often a game changer for whoever was able to play them in a meaningful way. Yeah, I think it's like, I don't, I don't know, it, it's the kind of thing where, uh, think about what Ruthless was saying yeah. uh, in that pre-errata so long ago now. What was that, like two hours ago? Uh, no, 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 it wasn't that long ago. But um, you can always say you have one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. You can just say it. That I don't. It, it might change what people do. I'm not really sure. Maybe it could. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. That can come home to roost, though, when it's like, no, no, no. Literally, you need to play a sabotage in this moment for the good of the table. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, choo I still choose not to, I guess. I guess I choose not to. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I swear I have one. It's, yeah. it's right here. I'm looking at it. I just don't think that this is the right timing for it. That's all. Um, yeah so okay. sabotage not much to say whenever we get to it in this episode it's because relevant, we talk about you know? it when it comes to all the other cards <laughs> exactly. we're talking about sabotage yeah it is the anti I, i'll note too though um like it says you cannot sabotage a sabotage but then that yeah. is where empyrean mechs and instinct training the extra technology yep, come yep, in yep. handy because those can cancel sabotages so in those two instances your sabotages are not always safe but as long as those two factions aren't in the game uh, a sabotage is unfallible it will do what it says on the tin it will cancel the card and you can't be stopped from that so uh worth noting next up is counterstroke after a player activates a system that contains one of your command tokens return that command token to your tactic pool so a kind of warfare lift you pull it off you put it back in yourself to do more yep. things uh we have seen there are famous counterstroke plays that changed the scope of the game counterstroke is the main reason when you're doing really silly late game stalling and you're just like i'm activating a random system because i don't yep. want to do an action right now but i have command counters to spare we had to rethink how we do that 
because we have seen a player activate another player's home system as just kind of a lark, and then that player happened to have Counter-Stroke, they got to lift the token on their home system, and then they got to do game-winning stuff. So you have to be careful with your wasted actions. Uh, Counter-Stroke can be a pretty good card, but it's not always relevant. Yeah, it can also get used, I would say, kind of against its theme as a win slay tool. Mm -hmm. If you tell your neighbor that you have Counter-Stroke, yeah. um, they can just make it happen for you. I mean, anyone, it doesn't matter which player it is that is activating the right. system, they can be activating it for no reason. They, yep. they don't have to move ships in, I guess is what I'm saying. So you just get that. Um, I, I would say Counter-Stroke has more potential as a uh, let's activate this counter-stroke for the good of the table so yep. that so-and-so can go into so-and-so's home system or whatever than it does as i think kind of the reason it's called counter-stroke is because it's supposed to be like a surprise yeah right you're supposed yeah. to be like oh no and yeah. then i will attack you now right. um but instead it's uh it's i don't know we've we've poisoned it like we've poisoned everything <laughs> exactly. else in this much like game. everything in twilight imperium we've turned any surprises into negotiable goods for the yeah. table so whatever all things come down to wind slaying i guess uh next up is forward supply base after another player activates a system that contains your units gain three trade goods then choose another player to gain one trade good not really like a uh, practical in the moment use we have it in this trap card area but it's not like a aha your plan was thwarted. no yeah yeah it's just a like well if you're gonna do something to me at least i'll get kind of maybe something for it and maybe even that extra trade good that you're getting access to is a way to start some negotiations with that person that just activated you for them to maybe not do as much as they were planning to do hey you already activated me you can get this trade good if that's worth it to you and like maybe we sort of work out how the rest of this activation is going to go down or whatever. That is at least possible, although not not as often. Usually you just kind of toss the trade good to, to somebody who's not being mean to you in that moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. It's right. not enough money to get no. to just sell it, so you do have to actually kind of get someone to activate you, but it's definitely good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I guarantee someone has actually sold it at some point. Right. Um, and yeah, I just don't get you, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're just looking for things to sell in general. That's just your yeah. vibe is 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 you as a, you know, you you people out there that just are looking to sell anything you can. Next up is a big talking point in a in a typical round 5 coup d'etat when another player would perform a strategic action, meaning the flipping of their strategic card and or uh, their their strategy card and doing that, you end that player's turn. The strategic action is not resolved. And the strategy card is not exhausted. So you delay yeah. for one round something like, oh, I don't know, Imperial of the person sitting on Mechatol. And you give yep. everyone, you give the table one extra round to dislodge that person from Mechatol before they get the point that they need to win the game or whatever it is. Uh, so sometimes coup d'etat is a huge deal. Sometimes one extra round ain't enough. Doesn't matter, actually. Right, not, that's Not true. a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the person winning uh, on the eight uh, by playing Imperial uh, just has it locked up too much, and mm -hmm. there's there's no way, even with an extra round of turns, we're able to do it. But it has definitely robbed people of games before this card. This yep. card has definitely ended a run and changed the outcome forever. Yep. Um, uh, it can. It is a potentially devastating card. Um, it, if it's in someone's hand, it will get used against you, the yeah. potential winner of this game. So yeah. you definitely have to worry about it every yeah. game, even though it's not going to come out yeah. all the time. Yep. 
Uh, next up is decoy operation. After another player activates a system that contains one or more of your structures, remove up to two of your ground forces from the game board and place them <laughs> on a planet you control in the active system board i'm so bored <laughs> <laughs> it's uh i mean uh, it's ground forces so it could be mechs uh -huh. you know you could be moving mechs there mm -hmm. um i don't know that i've ever seen it used just like <laughs> i i don't know that i've ever ever seen someone actually use this yeah um i really hate the why does it have to contain one of your structures yeah why can't it just be a system like i don't know let, let me just use this. It's so specific. Why, why, why hamstring it with the activating a system that contains a structure? Yeah. I, I, I just wish it didn't have that because then you could just use it. It yeah. would get used all the time. Yeah. I've definitely seen this used and like it is good for that mech thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, eh, whatever. It's fine. Someone's going to get mad that we're downplaying it so much too. I guarantee you someone's like, what are you well, talking no, about? I'm sure. Eco operations is great. Well, yeah, it was great in that game you played. That's fine. <laughs> but like... Like it because it has this qualification, yeah. it like kind of requires a lot of finesse. Think about it this way. The only place we're guaranteed a structure yep. is our home system. Right. Okay. Now, if you are getting your home system activated, mm -hmm. you might not yeah. have any mechs outside of your home system already, anyways. Right. So right. even in the Christmas land situation of decoy operation is gonna be uh good for sure you might already be set up in such a way as where like well i guess it's not actually gonna yep. be good right uh this time so yeah. i don't know it, it's that's like it, anytime a card requires more than one consideration i feel like it's it's use case is just gonna be super narrow yep and this one's a little too narrow for me next up is our final trap card reverse engineer after another player discards an action card that has a component action, take that action card from the discard pile. So similar yeah. to forward supply base, this is never a bad thing happening to the player doing something right now. So in that way, it sort of uh, goes against the standard trap card philosophy, but you can't just force it to happen. But all of those cards we read earlier you can get one of them and play it again. Um, you know, yep. there's, there's plenty of really great examples. Scuttle, uh, I'd love to, you know, maybe maybe a late game frontline deployment is a big game changer. There's all yep. sorts of unexpected yep. action is a huge deal if you can steal it from the discard pile. So yep. plenty of viable sure. targets. All of those cards are getting played. Like the thing about most decent component action cards is they are getting played at some point. And so Reverse Engineer just steals it. The second it gets played, it doesn't get played. It does get played. It doesn't go into the discards. It just goes straight into your hand. You could play that same exact action card next action or whatever. Um, so yeah. it's 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 a great little card. I'm glad it exists. I'm also really glad it works the way it works as opposed to the way the codex works, which is like the codex is just like dig around on the discard pile for a while and in hope that that, you know, just like happens in a decent timely manner. This is like... No, exactly this card Do it now. is the one yeah. that you can take. I don't have to yeah. go sifting through the action card uh, pile for any reason. Also, it's public knowledge. That card yep. was played. It was face up. You reverse engineered it. Everybody knows you have that. So right. in that way, it's maybe a slightly less useful uh, version of the card you stole because you can't do anything 
especially sneaky, but most component actions aren't sneaky in any way anyways, so it doesn't really matter. If you're stealing a mining initiative, it's like, okay, everybody just knows that you can get four trade goods or whatever later. That's fine. That's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's good. Uh, every time I get it, I love it. I yeah. like the dynamic of it. I like thinking about what card it is that I'm going to take. I like the kind of gambler's uh, fallacy uh -huh, of it, where uh -huh. you're like, oh, wait, should I take this card or should I wait and see if yeah. something juicier gets played? Uh -huh. I like cards like that. Yeah. That's like the right kind of thing. I want the cards to be used frequently to have a use case that's going to come up all the time as opposed to decoy operation. Mm -hmm. But for them to have a little bit of spice flavor to them where I'm a little bit like, uh, uh, I don't know. Should yeah. I play it or should I not? I got to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Our next category is the combo cards. So as opposed to these trap cards, which were you play on other people's turns, essentially. These are across-the-board things you do when you're doing something. So yeah. uh, our first example is sort of the cleanest example of this flank speed, of which there are four of. After yeah. you activate a system, apply plus one to the move value of each of your ships during this tactical action. Flank speed is a crazy good card at yeah, all rounds of the game. A flank speed in round one can change the whole scope of your entire game, depending on what planet you are able to take instead. Uh, a flank speed is also a huge deal for a game-winning maneuver at the end of the game. We all know flank speed. It's great. Yeah, the only thing worthy of note, uh, just to remind everybody, you cannot play more than one flank speed. You can't That's play right. more than one card of the same name in the same window. Right. Um, you can, of course, play a flank speed. It gets sabotaged, and then you play your other flank speed. Mm -hmm. That's cool, and if you do that, you should tell us. Yes, it's hilarious every single time. Um, also worth noting, uh, this is just a, a random thing to throw out there, but that apply plus one to the move value is the same as any other plus one to move value, which is this is kind of a fancy way to bypass nebulas if you need to. Um, yeah. Now, you cannot go through a nebula, right? The, that is a hard and fast rule of you have to yeah. stop in a nebula. Gotta stop but in a nebula, but coming out. But if you are in a nebula, yeah. you can just have two movement if you play a flank speed. It's, it's yeah. You are not limited to that. So any additions of move value when leaving a nebula all do get to be fairly applied. So flank speed is a great way to hide on Evera and then actually be able to reach Mechatol or whatever. Yep. Next up yep, yep, yep. is another movement one in the silence of space after you activate a system. Choose one system. During this tactical action, your ships in the chosen system can move through systems that contain other players' ships. I think the yeah. first half of in the silence of space is very often forgotten about. I have yep. definitely seen games where people think in the silence of space just gives you light wave deflector for the turn. It don't. And it, it don't do not. that. It has a weird little <laughs> specific thing. They gotta be in one system. I don't like that aspect of it. It would be I I well, okay. Let me go both ways with it. It's cool that it has this limitation. Uh -huh. This is actually kind of an interesting limitation, and whenever you play it right, you feel really smart. Mm. My problem is that it's Maybe a little too complicated for its own good. I think that if it just gave you light wave, that would also be fine. It's yeah. light wave for a single activation. Yeah. We're so used to people having light wave right. in POK anyways. So it's like, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Just give them light wave, I guess. But yeah, it, yeah it's, it's as good as light wave is, which is pretty good. Right. Probably going to make your game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is certainly useful when it comes up. I will say the one thing within the silence of space is you got to have movement value for that ability to move th through stuff any yeah. good, right? Uh, uh, and yeah, in the silence uh -huh. of space is always much better if it's with a flank speed. If it's not, you probably have a few ships that only move one anyways, and they're not going anywhere that matters. Yeah, it's kind of 
it's kind of got that problem of like if the person that's best at using it can also just have lightweight because <laughs> if we're good at movement we probably have a lot of blue tech yeah and that means that we could probably just get lightweight and then we don't need this however in a situation where i draw this and i'm uh, and i'm a blue tech faction would love to get fleet logistics instead yeah. if I have this. So I'm like, I'm not going to get light wave. And instead, surprise, I do have light wave, yeah. you know, yeah. like that's pretty cool. This is crazy good with Cabal, though. Cabal movement out the wazoo. The only thing getting mm -hmm. away all the time is all that ding dang stuff in the way. And yep. you don't necessarily have a blue tech path in mind. Nope. Always as Cabal. So uh, in the silence space, pretty good for them. Uh, a card that operates pretty similarly i think in the board space as in the silence of space is lost star chart which is after you activate a system during this tactical action systems that contain alpha and beta wormholes are adjacent to each other you get to be ghosts for a turn right yeah. i can just move through any of these this is the other way we like bypass weird gum situations um not as useful as in the silence of space and in the silence of space is not as useful as flank speed but i've seen lost chart Lost Star Chart do some pretty big game-breaking moves. Um, I've seen plenty of times, though, where it's just tossed out with the garbage because the wormholes aren't in a position to ever affect my game. Right. And and remember, it always overrides any agenda nonsense that may have happened with the Alpha and Beta wormholes. This is... This is uh, you're not using the wormholes so much as this is rewriting the rules yeah. to make them adjacent to each other so this would contradict basically any other rewriting of rules right etc etc yeah um but it yeah does next not, one if the rule is you cannot move through wormholes this does not allow you to move through them because it's just treating them as adjacent to each yeah. other right i mean yeah. that's that's sort of the prevailing thinking i think uh yeah i don't know exactly. wait is that how it works because systems yes. that contain alpha and beta wormholes are adjacent to each other. It's not yeah, yeah. they operate as things. So you can go from one to the other. You're not using the wormhole. The systems just are adjacent to each other. Yeah. I see. Yeah. It's, Boy, it's, that's the adjacency has been has been written into the action card itself, so it cannot be really trumped by anything. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Yeah. Fancy. The next card is political stability. When you would return your strategy card during the status phase. Do not return your strategy card. You do not choose strategy cards during the next strategy phase. And obviously, um, this would apply to both your strategy cards if you're playing in a three-player or four-player environment, which is bogus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish it was but, just you know, one if I wanted it to be. Like, I'd love to get rid of this construction, keep my yeah, Imperial, yeah. but like maybe get leadership next round or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. But yeah, it is funny that you'd be locked into both in, that, in, yeah. in the other situation. Um, but yeah, obviously, this is one of the best cards in the game. Um, it is, you know, something that is going to get a lot of heat from the rest of the table. If you try and play it, there's five other players that are not getting a good deal out of this. Yep. Um, sometimes you can play it defensively, though. Sometimes you can be like, listen, I'm not in the lead and I am going to uh, keep Imperial yep. so that, you know, the player with the most tempo doesn't get it, et cetera, et cetera. So there's like a lot of different ways to play it. You can also play it before round five. Yep, you can play sure. it to get ahead now yes. instead of trying to close up your lead by the end of the game that's pretty cool yeah it's a thing that's yeah. not bad i i actually again similar to like what we saw with public disgrace i prefer that i i love when you can get away with stuff because it's not the last thing you'll ever do right yeah. political stability in round four going into round five 
very often is a known quantity what that does to the game, which means political stability just gets sabotaged if it was actually going to be the winner or whatever. But yeah. in round three, going into round four, I don't know. You can get away with some stuff, and the person with sabotage goes, I don't, we got to see what happens. This sabotage is too precious. I can't do it right now. Uh, so I, in that way, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I think political stability is so good, it makes it worse because it's the inherent sabotage target. That's right. a, that's that's a silly thing to say because obviously that just means it's crazy good. But you see it take effect maybe a little bit less often because it's so sabotageable uh, in, in the situations where it would have been the game winner or whatever. Yeah. This is the whole reason that the status phase buttons in TTS and TTPG <laughs> right. are separated the way that they are. You will draw action cards before, right before the window where uh -huh. you would use political stability. And I have. Yeah. I have drawn political <laughs> stability and then immediately used it to keep my card. Yeah. It's always the most wonderful thing that happens to people. I've seen it happen to other people in like tournament games and stuff like that. Uh, it's just the wildest thing. But yeah, we do have to separate those buttons yep. just because of this card. So thanks, political stability. <laughs> Next up is Summit at the start of the strategy phase. Gain two command tokens. A wonderful little thing. One of those things that we always forget. And so the really, really nice uh, players at your table will very often go, anybody have Summit or Manipulate Investments, which we'll talk about right. in a minute. Uh, there's just that at the start of the strategy phase timing window that is at least better than the Ancient Burial Sites timing window, where Ancient Burial Sites gets you nothing. Uh, both of these cards are pretty good, uh, Summit being the demonstrably better one. Two command tokens is a huge amount of value. It's great. And there's no cost to it or anything. You just get two command tokens right at the top of the round. And you get to assign them, like, right then and there. How great is that? Love it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, really re good. It's, it's real good. It's real good. Uh, love getting a Summit. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and it's not good enough to get sabotaged like no. most of the time. So like it's yeah, it's great. Yep. Yep. Uh, upgrade is after you activate a system that contains one or more of your ships. I love that it says one or more of your ships because the effect is to replace one of your cruisers in that system with one dreadnought from your reinforcements. But God forbid the cards say that contains one or more of your cruisers. <laughs> cruisers. God forbids yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty weird wording there, huh, Dane? Got kind of weird with the word on that one um so yeah it has to be a cruiser um i wish it wasn't i wish it said like one ship it, it could just say one ship yeah one replace one of your ships in that system with one dreadnought from one your non-fighter ship even but if i could yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure make sure it's a non-fighter ship let's not turn a, a fighter into a dreadnought but i think you should be able to turn whatever you want into a dreadnought why not it's not yeah. a big deal um but yeah, I don't know. A lot of factions start with a cruiser that they'll probably be able to turn into a dreadnought easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay. I don't know. I hate that you have to activate it. Exactly. But, um, it's really awkward. People always want it to work like uh, the one where you spawn a cruiser that we said earlier that I can't think of the yeah. name of. Uh, but it's not. You have to like be doing a build, and it's essentially like a yeah. scuttle for two dollars. That's what makes it like not actually very good. Is like I'm killing a cruiser I had earlier just to upgrade it by two dollars. Like that's essentially what the Arborek agent kind of yeah. does. You know it's, what? Like, really awkward. It's actually really bad. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, actually, upgrade sucks. It's yeah. not good. Yeah. You, you have to, like, do... All you're getting is a cruiser upgrade to Dreadnought, and it, it is asking so much of you. Mm -hmm. You can't move the ship. It's got to be stationary. Yeah. I don't know. I would just ignore yeah, it if I had we it. Didn't, we didn't even go into that. It is after you activate... This is yeah. the other thing people always mess up. You can't have just built that cruiser and then do it. You activate, do upgrade, turn a cruiser into a Dreadnought, 
then do your movement and your building and all of that stuff. No, no, so no but you, you it, can't move. That's no, the thing. No, is, that's what I'm saying is you, you've upgraded before you've done any movement. So the cruiser yeah, has yeah. to be there at the start of activation. Has to already be there. So it's yeah. just really stupid. Uh, you just it's, have to it's, like it's, leave a cruiser in your home system for too long so that you can turn it into a It's kind of a a transfer action type mm -hmm. reminding me of of just like i'm activating my own stuff i mean it goes okay like if you're titans and like you are well but why are you upgrading your cruisers mm -hmm. to dreadnoughts of your no titans? way so never mind yep. this sucks <laughs> this, this is just not a good card i never thought about how much i don't like upgrade but yeah. i actually really don't like upgrade yep next up is harness energy after you activate an anomaly replenish your commodities this is fine it can be good it can be it's also really awkward because uh, one of the main reasons you're probably activating some some anomalies is to go get DET tokens. And guess what two of the cards in the Frontier deck are? It's to replenish yeah. your commodities. So right. th this one can just be really stupid sometimes. But also, the way most people play, though, you activate, you would replenish the commodities, you would immediately trade them out, then you would do the Frontier Explorer, replenish again. So in that way, like, hey, pretty good, like two replenishes in one in one go and do a bunch of trading or whatever, uh, just off the luck of it. But you can't plan for half of that. And so sure. I don't know. It's fine. At least obviously high commodity value factions like this quite a bit more than your your yins and your baronies with two commodities. I'll say this, at least at least uh, Merchant Station, the uh, Frontier deck card, um, is replenish or convert your it's commodities true. into trade goods. Okay, that's fair. So, which, I mean, but nobody like, I mean, I would much rather just have the commodities yeah. and then trade them out to people because that's just more exactly. money. But eh, at least if you mess it up, you, you don't yeah. get hurt that hard. Yeah. I will no. say, I mean, as with almost the general rule with commodities is the second you get them, probably try to turn them into trade goods probably, yeah, probably. I, there's a there's a vocal probably. group out there that says no just use your commodities like they are trade like just offer them different things and i agree with that sentiment but again like this is a perfect situation where we're explaining you would gain so much more if you instantly traded those commodities got the lucky explorer on more commodities to then turn those into more trade goods rather than yeah. just because in, in one situation you do two x minus ones you're a four commodity faction you net six dollars the flip right. side is you just let both happen and you only net four dollars. No one right. else nets any money, but I don't know. I don't. I just don't think it's worth it. So yep. okay. Yep. Me neither. Next up is master plan. After you perform an action, you may perform an additional action this turn. This is one of the best additions to the to the deck since base game. Yeah, like it's one good. Of, it's crazy good. I love that it's so open. There's no dumb. It's not after you perform an X kind of, after a tactical action. You can do right. this in any order with any of the kinds of things you need to do. You can take Mechatol Rex, master plan, and then pop Imperial. You can pop Imperial, play master plan, and then get off of Mechatol so someone else who was going to come take it can sure. come take yeah, it yeah. after you. Whatever. All sorts of things like that. It, it is such a dynamic card. It is a huge game changer all the time. It is a big playmaker and I freaking love it. Yeah, I pretty much have no notes. I think it's, I mean, obviously it's, uh, it is to fleet logistics as in the silence of space yeah. is to light wave. However, this is without any restriction at right. all. Um, you can obviously, it, it's even augmented by fleet logistics and that, you know, if you have master plan, yes, you do your fleet logistics extra turn and then you do master plan and that's three actions in one go. Yeah. It, it can, it can win you the game. And even if it can't win you the game, there's probably something yeah. you need to do with it. You know, like it, 
it's most often used in conjunction with Imperial. So yeah. you can get it and be like, well, I've got, I'm not going to have Imperial. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, I don't know, I guess whatever. But maybe it'll help with uh, some wind slang. You get to attack people at two different fronts yeah. in one go. I, mean, I don't know. E- even in the worst case scenario, you just move stuff out of your home system and then build in your home. Like you just kind of get some good positional uh, advantages yeah. without anybody being able to interrupt that, right? You you don't right. leave your home system exploitable at any point. I, I mean, it's even great for that. So even it's like most minimal uses, it's quite good. So yeah, this is like a top tier action card for sure. Yeah, it's good. Next up is Rally. After you activate a system that contains another player's ships, place two command tokens from your reinforcements in your fleet pool. This is a hilarious card because the intent is this like it's a rally i've activated you and then actually you didn't know this was coming but i'm bringing home the bacon i put yeah, two I'm extra fleets of more light, and there's more yeah. ships coming here that's never yeah. how anybody uses rally nobody rally uses it just no. activates oh i just i'm gonna gain these and then in the status phase i'll like reposition them whatever or maybe i have warfare and i'll like redistribute or i have predictive or something i'm just gaining two command tokens that that's how it always gets used but thematically it can be pretty cool when it is the like actually i'm bringing a lot of stuff you weren't expecting me to bring but I, I've, yeah i feel like i've seen that twice ever it's it's mostly just used as a way to uh, turn one command token into two uh-huh. uh, later. But yeah, uh, I, I would love to see it used properly and in a game uh, winning sense because I feel like it could it, yeah. it could be used in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, uh, it just isn't. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next up is Solar Flare. After you activate a system during this movement, other players cannot use Space Cannon against your ships. This yeah. can be a nothing burger, but there are, of course, a handful of factions that you can play this against that change their whole thing. Argent, Jolnar, Xcha in the right scenarios are all these very specific space cannon uh, factions, and they yeah. sort of rely on that space cannon stuff to withhold their defenses, and you get to just, for one for one chance, get past it. Now, I will note... It's during this movement, so your invasion still gonna go poorly, uh, yeah. depending on how things are going. The, the PDS right. on a planet, you still gotta get through, but at least you get to, you know, th- this is how you pull off more like cruiser snipes or whatever. Right. If they've left a thing empty, solar flare lets your cruisers get through and actually make it into uh, a-, a fight or whatever. But um, I think that this card can just be a total nothing just a wet noodle of in the game because there's no factions that it's relevant to or it can be the thing you needed to crush jolnar right yeah here's one slight alteration i would make to it that i think would give it a little bit just the tiniest bit more utility um i don't like that the window you play it in is after you activate a system mm-hmm. what i wish it was was the exact same window as experimental battle station so that if someone played experimental on you, uh-huh. you could play this in response and oh be like, gosh. well, there was a solar flare. Nasty. Like, I, I, I just think that, because yeah. that, the thing is, it's already, it's, it's a great card. Yeah. But, the, but it's like what you're saying, Matt. If, if you're not going up against the right factions, you just won't really have a window of opportunity to use this. Yeah. And giving it like the tiniest little extra thing totally. of it cancels experimental battle station. That's good. Yeah. That's worth it. Yeah. I would that that's a great argument for something I was gonna wait to talk about till the end, and we probably can still elaborate on it more. But 
we've we've mentioned once before already in this episode the idea of like a cold action card deck or whatever i wish we could get the action card deck back down to like a sort of known quantity state where there's Uh. like that like 80 Mm. or so or or close to it and then also made sure there were all of these counters where it's like i know all these cards can come up but i know certain cards can counter other cards in interesting and dynamic ways i sort of wish there was that level of design to the action card deck i feel like that's like the biggest space for growth in like a fifth edition of twilight imperium or something is like what if If, what if the action card deck was like really really intentional if you want to put that hat on, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Here's here's what I'm going to say. I think it would be cool if 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 the action card deck got a bunch of omegas with yeah. a bunch of little alterations. Uh-huh. Um however, my my I do not want to go back to the way it was. Sure. I like that we do not go through the entire action card deck yes. every game because I like the unknownness, yeah. the lack of the just like, well, I'm going to go hope in a prayer and hope that right. That they don't have that card that will, you know, destroy my game. Yeah. Um. I, I. I. kind of didn't like in base game how you could sort of just count on certain cards existing. Yeah. In every single game, always being a factor. Like public dis- public disgrace is always in someone's hand, and they are always playing it on the leader. It's true. It just just felt a little bit. I, I like. Uh, Daddy likes it a little random. Yeah. Um. I'm just so random. He's, is he's my such thing. a random guy. You, I'm so you've random. Got that Family Guy humor about you. Next I'm up just is kind of random. <laughs> Next up is War Machine. Uh, it, there are four of these. When one or more of your units use production, so this applies to your Arborek and your Titans and your whatevers. Yep. Apply yep. plus four to the total production value of your units and reduce the combined cost of the produced units by one. This is a great little card. Uh, Increasing the plus plus four to production value is actually clutch in a lot of instances. So this is like a huge deal in the late game. And boy, doesn't it always seem like someone gets two of these? Doesn't someone always get two war machines? (laughs) God, I love getting a war machine, though. It's like my favorite card to get in any game. Um, Just because like you can get it at any time, except for like the last round. It's not really very useful there. Actually, even in the last round, it can't be useful if you're the winner. Yep. Yeah, protect your home. But... I just love it because it's just like it, it helps me get around the thing that I struggle with the most, which is like having enough production to just get as many ships out as possible. Uh, I always want to have more ships, more ships, more ships. Yep. And this, yeah, it just it just helps you do it. It can be so good that you just getting one of these yeah. means you never need a forward dock, right? Or you never need space dock too. Yep. Or yeah, it, it it it's good enough to just completely balance that out, in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. Gets you one juicy build that really changes. One the juicy game build, and yep. and the reduced cost of one is is just fine yep. by me. A little yep, little that's icing. Nice. It, it didn't need that. It would have been a pretty good action card even without that, and it, it yep. got it anyways. Uh, next up is manipulate investments, which we talked about earlier with Summit at the start of the strategy phase. Place a total of five trade goods from the supply on strategy cards of your choice. You must place these tokens on at least three different cards. So the main way you see this played is, let's say I'm lucky enough to be first in the picking order. I put three on whatever I'm taking, and then I put one each on two other things, probably stuff I don't want anyone else to take, or I, I don't think anyone else will take. 
Then, yeah. of course, enter all negotiations that could happen. Oh, uh, maybe I will put a dollar on this if you promise me blah, 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 blah. Um, what you don't almost ever see is like the two, two, one combination, right? Which yeah. I think is actually kind of crazy because manipulate investments, it's really hard to be the person holding manipulate investments and be in the seat order where you get the most bang for your buck out of manipulate investments, right? You have to like yeah. have gotten it early enough for it to then come up in the round where you are first pick or whatever. Um, but plenty often you can also like, you know, whoever's first pick, you know they need X strategy card. So you can still put three on something else and they're not going to have take it out from under you or whatever. But you almost always have to do some sort of talking here because this many trade goods hitting the table in this spread out of a way you're going to kind of work it out. And and there's probably not like a clean answer to just like, what's what's the way you should always treat this or whatever? Yeah, you can also, if you're late in speaker order and you still want to get some use out of this, like let's say you want tech to be taken. Yeah. You could just put three trade goods on tech right. and then either, you know, you get it taken, which is good for you, or no one takes it and then you take tech and you get three trade goods, which is great for you. Right. So like, yeah, you, you don't have to use it the way it always gets used to get some value out of it. It's got a little bit of play there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the optimal play is the one that you described of being like your first pick and you just give use it to give yourself three trade goods. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and our final uh, combo card here is Nav Suite. After you activate a system, during the movement step of this tactical action, ignore the effect of anomalies. This is a is a, a wackadoodle weirdo it's pretty nutty little card there's a there's all the obvious stuff with this oh my gosh i can move into the supernova oh i don't need anti-mass to move into an asteroid field or through yeah an asteroid or field. through on both of these yep. it, could, it also could be right. through i can also move through a nebula that's pretty cool yep the place where this one gets really weird that we didn't even fully realize for a while but is quite weird is a gravity rift, you can move through the gravity rift without having to roll any dice. Oh, how novel, mm -hmm. how good. You also don't get the good side of that gravity rift. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you actually just <laughs> turn the gravity rift off. There is no bonus to movement. We've seen that even done on a Cabal player's dimensional tear because the, the dimensional tear turns the system into an anomaly, but you effectively right. turn the anomaly off, meaning it's just nothing. It's just absolutely nothing. And I think people think of this as a good thing so they're like i get to roll or i get to i get to move extra without rolling that's not how this works unfortunately be kind of cool if it was but it's really right. funny that it doesn't so for most of these anomalies all positives for gravity rifts this is a very strange little action card that you have to kind of think about before you use it right right yeah it's uh it's it's an interesting card um it gets used uh, really commonly to allow a player that did not have anti-mass to suddenly score Brave the Void very easily, uh -huh. just like picking off someone's destroyer. Um, it allows you to get weird with the supernova. We love that. Yep. Does not always become a relevant card, but it has that potential to swing into super relevance. Yeah. Right. So I think it's fine. It's, it's, it's one of the most interesting, just in terms of like identifying the board state. I just think it's a cool action card, even if it doesn't always hit. I just love what it does to the round that it gets played in or whatever. Okay, we are in the home stretch now. It is our final category. Go. And maybe some of these are the most complicated. I don't know. Are they? We'll see. Uh, it's space combat and invasion cards. These are the ones that turn the tides of battles. I would say this is the main reason 
combat in Twilight Imperium is interesting and dynamic. Uh, if it was yeah. just a bunch of D10s rolling against each other, I would say TI has a horrible combat system. Uh, but because there's a bunch of crazy dynamic factors that can get thrown into the mix, it makes all of this quite fun. Uh, also, this is all the reason why I'm glad we don't have horribly strict timings of when everything happens because that's what allows so many of these action cards to sing is the idea that there's just all these various timings in which things can play a role or whatever and there's there's, there's just less known variables or whatever so let's get into it the first one is bunker there's one of these at the start of an invasion during this invasion apply minus four to the result of each bombardment roll against planets you control that is a sizable that is the largest modifier of a dice roll in the game minus four is huge it takes your dreadnought from rolling on like a 50 percent chance to just nothing just a just a waste of time basically yeah uh so i i like a bunker although it's one of those things that it's so conditional i think a lot of these space combat things we are going to remark on how conditional it is that yeah. you have it bunker's in the right conditional. time but yeah. bunker is yeah. super much on that category of are you even against the person where the bombardment was going to matter for you or whatever yeah honestly uh to open it up a little bit if it was like somehow a double-sided card where it's either plus four or minus four mm-hmm. You could use it offense and defense. Obviously, Bunker would not make sense as a title for the card. Sure. But just trying to get some more use out of it, I feel like that's a potential alteration there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, negative four result to each bombardment roll. Uh, that it's pretty good. Uh, you can. It's still pretty effective against War Sons. Although, you know, it's important to note, like. It doesn't make the bombardment unstoppable. Right. It still might get some hits there. Yeah. So you got to be wild you know. that we have all these. I mean, we've got things like solar flare to turn off space cannon, but bunker doesn't just turn off bombardment. Like what a yeah. wild thing <laughs> that we didn't get to have. Like we just don't get to turn off bombardment. Okay, sure. Fine. I like how it makes um, the L1 mech, it makes their bombardment roll into a, uh, I mean, it's impossible for them to get a hit, obviously, but it's it's making it at what, a 12? So now they have to roll a 12, which they can't on a 10-sided die, so that's really funny. Uh, It should be noted, too, this is at the start of an invasion, and it applies during the entire invasion, so Bunker is extraordinarily potent against L1, whose yep. Harrow would normally be devastating. This might really... Inv- I mean, Harrow's still good even when they're rolling on, like, eights, right? It's not completely invalid. Again, it, you almost wish Bunker was stopping all bombardment so that uh, L1 couldn't Harrow you to death, but it really, really shuts that down. So in a game with L1, Bunker is quite good against uh, them. Next up. Yeah, so so in a situation where Bunker would help and, and you're going against yeah, L1. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Great. Yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. we've really done it. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Courageous to the End. After one of your ships is destroyed during a space combat, roll two dice for each result equal to or greater than that ship's combat value. Your opponent must choose and destroy one of their ships. So, of course, we've all seen this the last dreadnought to fall, or maybe sometimes the first. Sometimes you can just really do some damage by going ahead and and offing one of your dreadnoughts, and now you get to roll two dice on like a five or whatever, 
And uh, if you get any hits, you ignore sustained damage. You destroy their stuff. So if this is up against well, but the you don't get to fleet, choose. Is really the problem. Sure, so they're 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 going to choose. You know, the, right. they're they're going to do it optimally. They're not sure. going to just. Destroy but depending their on what's stuff. left, and especially if you do wait on courageous to the end, courageous to the end is a thing that truly turns the tides. It might turn. It's rarely going to turn your loss into a win, but it will very often turn a loss into a neutral, no winner tie uh, combat. Yeah. So yep. Courageous to the End is very good for that, especially when it's a, it was a close combat and the carrier was going to sneak through and then all those infantries were going to completely decimate you. Now you don't even have to do the invasion because Courageous to the End saved your skin. This is a crazy, crazy card. Uh, it's it, it can be incredibly good. It can be incredibly good. Uh, best use case, maybe like sending in a single ship versus a flagship uh -huh. uh, it doesn't uh, hit and then you play Courageous to the End and it gets the hit anyways right. and destroys it. Um, and then you score, you know, destroy their greatest ship or whatever. That's a fantastic way to use it. Love that. Yeah. Uh, next up is Disable. At the start of an invasion in a system that contains one or more of your opponent's PDS units, your opponent's PDS units lose planetary shield and space cannon during this invasion. So it's hilarious that we have two action cards to turn off PDS in the two separate timing windows. Disable yep. doesn't yep. work during space combat solar flare doesn't work during ground stuff <laughs> if you have both of them though with our powers combined we can stop a bunch of dice rolls on a six or whatever great right yeah we can turn off the pds obviously uh to me most of the time the planetary shield is more important yes. turning that off is more important than turning off the space cannon we would love to get our bombardment in there yep. to kind of change right. the math of this ground combat so yeah disable pretty good uh probably about as it's it's anything that's offensive is always a little bit better than defensive yes. cards in the world of twilight imperium because if i have an offensive card i can create an opportunity to use it yes. whereas if i have a defensive card that opportunity has to come up and then it gets triggered right so i definitely value disable like better than something like bunker right. for example the best disable will now open an opportunity yeah and the best cards are the ones that can be used in both ways like courageous to the end you could plan for a courageous yep. to the end play like you yep. just described in the flagship thing so yeah, yeah yeah the best ones are just both uh next yep. up is emergency repairs at the start or end of a combat round repair all of your units that have sustained damage in the active system uh yep. this is especially great in my opinion against things like argent flight and jolnar where they score a bunch of hits in uh space cannon but then the first round of space combat at the start of a combat round you can just repair everything so you can completely negate their space cannon roll um that that's yeah. obviously one thing that can be done obviously beyond that it's just like repair anything when you when you need to this is a a, a great card uh, especially if you are a sustained damage heavy faction emergency repairs in the hands of a barony of letnev oh my Disgusting. you never stood a chance friend it's messed up <laughs> yeah um it's also important to note this is the first uh, card of our um, space combat and invasion cards that applies to both. You yeah. can use this on the ground and you can use this That's right. in space on your, or uh, sorry, in, on the ground with your mechs or in space it's with your ships. Yeah. Quite and good. On, on the ground, maybe like demonstrably quite a bit better <laughs> than, yeah. than any yeah. space combat. This is, th this card got a huge boost in POK because it applies to mechs where that sustained damage uh, really goes very, very far for you. Next up is a fighter prototype at the start of the first round of a space combat, apply plus two to the result of each of your fighter's combat rolls 
during this combat round. Meh. So it's weird. You can no, only it, this use can it. be it's, good. It Matt. can this be good. Can be good. No, no, no. I I totally agree that it can be pretty good, especially because there's plenty of strategies that play into as many fighters as possible, and then right, I'm gonna right. kill all of them once you deal some hits or whatever. So the first round is when it's the most potent. The fact that it's so inflexible kind of annoys me because it's like, well, what if I wanted to do this? I don't know at a different timing or whatever. I just think it's weird that it doesn't apply to the whole combat. I think one singular round is sort of annoying, but it's plus two. That's certainly not nothing. That turns yeah. nines into sevens, which is uh, right. quite a sizable increase. Uh, so you you can get a lot of hits that you weren't otherwise going to get. So I, we've definitely all seen fighter prototypes that like made a pretty big difference. I just I am annoyed at a bit how restrictive it is, but yeah. that's fine. You you kind of have to be already set up to use it and then draw it and then you'll be like oh okay cool this will be a big deal so yeah. that's like kind of the flaw of it right now if i draw it in the first round i maybe it's that's maybe yeah. enough for me to be like hmm okay maybe i should lean into this a little bit maybe i'm going carrier two yeah. maybe i'm going to try and have a bunch of fighters so that for this one combat i can really just kind of run the table yeah definitely uh next up is fire team after your ground forces make combat rolls during a round of ground combat Reroll any number of your dice. Um, yeah. There's there's a handful of like reroll effects in the game. Some of them apply to both you and your opponent. This is just yours. You can turn a whiff into maybe not a whiff, but it's ground right. combat specifically we're talking about here, which means if it's exclusively infantry, I don't know that your odds are going to improve at all. No. If it's a mech no. invasion and it really whiffed, then fire team can be a pretty big deal. It can be it can save you. But with infantry fights, fire team is just sort of like whatever. Yeah. Uh any yeah, slap fights are not really going to be shifted much by fire team. But yeah, a, a mech that misses getting another shot at it is probably going to be a hit, right? Yeah. So, uh rerolling that is going to be a uh, good uh fire team. It's it's okay. It's it's I don't know. It's it's better than some cards the, the fact I like that, that yeah the fact that ground combat just in itself can be so decisive and important makes yeah. any cards related to ground combat a little bit be better than their space combat counterparts because taking right. planets is more important on the whole than just like taking space or whatever so yeah yeah that it, it makes it more important even if its effect is still like sometimes middling I do want to note, though, that these types of effects are best used early, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to ground combat. So you want to be able to reroll as many dice as possible. Right. So, you know, it's like you've, you've got all your infantry and mechs out. Uh, they roll their dice. Go ahead and reroll then. Because getting, getting ahead, it's like ground combat is just about, like, having more yeah. than the other player. Right. Um, so getting ahead as early as possible will help you sustain that lead and probably win the ground combat. So I wouldn't get too min maxi about trying to figure out exactly when to play fire team if you yeah. think you should play it on that first round because you're outnumbered on the other side go for it just yep. just play your odds yeah we got infiltrate here when you gain control of a planet replace each pds and space dock that is on that planet with a matching Ooh. unit from your reinforcements you get to be so l1 good. for a day woohoo so good uh every time this gets used it's just fantastic um the window is when you gain control of a planet so that means that we can produce yeah if it is a in fact a space huge dock. deal yeah very fun um can basically change the entire scope of the game um l1 notably a faction that has good abilities but they're not used all the time it's just when they're used it's crucial so being able to borrow that ability with the infiltrate card means 
you are getting to use that crucial yeah. ability. Yeah, you might use it as many times as L1 uses it in their yeah. in their whole game. So you are you are half an L1 for a day. Uh, so that's yeah. pretty nice. Uh, it's important to note too. It's just like one planet. You can't infiltrate the whole system or whatever. So you're just getting the one planet worth of space docks or PDS or whatever. And so because people spread structures out usually you're only getting one structure but right some home systems, and it should be a space dock yeah you obviously. should do the space dock because because you can build even if you're only building like a, a you know a fighter out of it or whatever if you have like no money it doesn't matter you should go for the space dock uh next up we've got intercept after your opponent declares a retreat during a space combat your opponent cannot retreat during this round of a space combat pretty yeah. weird one um, can really matter when you've just got to destroy their greatest ship and they left their flagship naked for some reason. Um, sure. Beyond okay. that, <laughs> the odds are not going to necessarily like always be in your favor. If they're, if they're decently well fortified, a single round of space combat is probably not making or breaking things. Yeah. So yep. not my favorite card. I think this one gets uh, confused with a card we'll read uh, in a bit. Quite often, um, it's very easy to think you have one card and then you actually have the other. Have another, yeah. <laughs> so read your action cards, please. Please, we, we've said yeah, it before. Yeah. Read your action Definitely cards. Definitely read them. <laughs> hey, I mean, have. we're reading them for you yeah. right now. Yeah. So like, you just at least, I mean, if you're not going to read them, hopefully you listen to this episode. Yep. Um, yeah, I wish Intercept was just that they can't declare a retreat. Period. At all. Yep. Instead, it's just like, you have to be sure that one round is yes. all you need that's or actually i guess two rounds yeah yeah that's what's so annoying about it to me is because there's so many action phase secret objectives that now this is this is going to go both ways because i think most action phase secret objectives are too easy but it is annoying how many of them can be completely thwarted by just a simple retreat um yeah and then like that throws your whole thing out the window and the idea that intercept just one card out of 120 can't even do anything about that realistically it's pretty annoying it would be great if i could sort of lock in my like annoying anomaly darken or you know whatever like th th those those secret objectives that are slightly more difficult and this might be literally my only opportunity in the entire game to get this it sucks that this card doesn't help well, luckily, I mean, Codex Three did improve that situation somewhat yeah. in that the uh, the the new the new Omega secret objectives are a little nicer when it comes to yes. situations like that. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice if Intercept helped you score, destroy their greatest ship, for example, yeah. instead of you know it just being like, all right, well, I'm just going to retreat my greatest ship, yep. and then and then nothing we'll, we'll live to fight another day, and then nothing happens. But yeah, doesn't come up a whole lot. Um, but it it you can imagine a Christmas land scenario where it can be important yeah uh, that's a it's very christmasy yes uh maneuvering jets there's four of these i have seen people recently really 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 talk about maneuvering jets as a trash card and maybe i agree with them before you assign hits produced by another player's space cannon roll cancel one hit uh, okay so you i get to see how many hits they scored um, but unlike our disable and our solar flare, we're not turning anything off. We're just like right. seeing what a roll is and then maybe getting rid of one of them. I have to uh, confess maneuvering jets is the card that I've done a little bit of category fraud with. Sure. I told you that all of these cards take place in the space combat and invasion <laughs> step. Yeah. Um, maneuvering jets can be in the invasion step yes. or space cannon defense. Right. However, oftentimes it actually gets used at the end of movement in space cannon offense. So I want to acknowledge that category fraud I have done. Sure. I, it just seemed better but to include it here. I, I think what you're 
important to note here, and the reason it's in this category is Maneuvering Jets is a pretty bad action card for space combat. But yeah, in ground combat situations, every single hit matters. And Maneuvering yeah, Jets on the ground, I think is pretty important. And it would be great to cancel one hit uh, in, yeah. in that situation. So I, that's why I think it belongs in this category, because I think people should think of Maneuvering Jets as a ground combat card more than a space combat card because uh, the space combat stuff is like oh, you were gonna kill what a fighter oh no you saved half a dollar um, right but the 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 ground combat it might literally i mean it's still half a dollar because it's an infantry but uh that might have gotten you the planet so anyways next up is morale boost which there are four of at the start of a combat round apply plus one to the result of each of your units combat rolls during this combat round yeah yep. this one i could see the math people making an argument why this card is not actually that great it really depends what you're rolling obviously right right as, as right. we've talked about with things like sardak nor and stuff like that what you want to do with things with bonus to dice rolls is you need that to apply to more total dice rolls and from a percentage standpoint turning a nine into an eight is a lot better than turning a four into a three across the right. board, especially yeah, yeah. considering the types of units that hit on night. You can on a nine, you can have four of those for the cost of one unit that hits on an eight or I mean on like a right. six or something. So right. you really want morale boosts for fighter combats, stuff like that. Um, but in general, I mean, I think these are fine. There's four of them, so I think you can kind of. You're not saving these for, like, the most important thing in the world. You're saving them when, like, I don't know, maybe it'll actually swing this combat, I guess. Yeah, Let's it, try. It, it can swing it sometimes. Um, I'll say this, uh, just to take that that kind of theory. It's, I, I think it's best for, for large ground combat. Yes. That's, that's I think, where it, where it shines the most, where every hit really, really counts. Yes. And getting those infantry to just hit a little bit better will possibly change yep. our whole deal. I mean, just like, you know, anytime you use a morale boost on ground combat, you're getting to be soul for a day. Yeah. And, you know, soul, soul does quite well on <laughs> yeah. the ground. So, yeah, it's it's good to experience that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's maybe where it, it shines the most. But, you know, sometimes you have the right fleet composition to make morale boost be worth it in the sky as well it's just a little i never feel bad about using one mm -hmm. i'll say that about it so in that way i i can't bad talk it too much because it's just like yeah it's a, pl a little plus one i'm adding a little bit a yep. little bit of heat to my to my dice that's yeah. nice yeah next up is parlay after another player commits units to land on a planet you control return the committed units to the space area this is yeah. the big one this is the one we talk about for so long this is a this is a big deal to sabotage if it's for that big game winning moment uh, against yep. the person whose win you're trying to stop uh, or whatever parlay is a huge deal uh and <laughs> fun consideration if sardak nor is doing funny stuff you can really screw up their whole plan because a parlay just throws their bugs into space where there are no ships and then they die so that's that's mean and fun and something sardak nor did not need yeah but whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny i don't know no i think it's i think it's worth it that yeah. you're kind of risking the parlay uh <laughs> killing all of your ground forces that's really fun um but yeah return you got to return them to the space area i like the return verb uh -huh. Uh -huh. for gamma return them i they weren't mm. there i mean how do i return i don't um it, yeah. uh, uh, 
Yeah. Um, anyways, parlay, uh, parlay is great. Very important card. Uh, always will get talked about, even if it's not uh, in the mix. I feel like over the last year or so, I've actually seen parlay swing more games than any other card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just always seems to come out. It always seems to be in the hand of the person that needs it, and then yeah. they play it, and you're just like, oh, dang. <laughs> We're really dinged this time, y'all. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's true. It's always in the hands of the person who needs it the most somehow. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that happens, but it does seem to happen. Yeah. Uh, Parlay, definitely one of the top five action cards to me. Yes. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, the next one is not that. It's reparations. Nope. <laughs> After another player gains control of a planet you control, exhaust one planet that player controls and ready one planet you control. You know what sucks about this card? Most people wait to do their planet taking sure. until yeah, the end of the round when all money has been spent and any refreshed money isn't going to do anything for you because yeah. it's too late. You've already activated your space docks or whatever. So sure, sure. reparations is like only good against someone who's like first action. I'm trying to take your thing or whatever, which just like, or, that or if happen. they're saving or if they're saving their planets for right. uh, a spendy right. uh, objective, uh, I'll say this. The other day I got to play this card and I was playing as extra. Ooh, oh. that feels good. <laughs> Being able to to refresh any planets you control, which I mean, you're generally doing that as extra anyways. You love diplomacy and you have uh-huh. that agent. Yeah. Being able to also do it again with reparations. I spent, I had an 8-8 eight, eight no. planet. What? With, with, with the extra hero because it combined, it was it was like a 5-3 oh, or something like saying. that when because of an eight, eight, You're not saying $16. You're saying the yeah, yeah. optimal spend. Okay, it, great, it's, great. It's, it's eight influence or eight resources. Right. And I got to spend that planet three times <laughs> in one round because of reparations. Get owned. Oh, Everybody get owned. Extra gross. is the new best faction. Just kidding. They suck. But... <laughs> That hero is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, bad exchange of dollars here is salvage. After you win a space combat, your opponent gives you all of their commodities. Ooh, you don't even get them as trade goods. You, you even... get their commodities? No, when they give, they become trade goods for you. you no, get that's not how I'm reading it well, right too now. too bad, you're stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the other problem, here's the other problem with salvage. This has been something that has been kind of remarked upon recently. There is technically nothing in the rules that stops someone from playing salvage and you just offloading all of your commodities. Yeah, it's it's actually Uh, very sad. Yeah. Now, Um, now again, if you're the defending player, right? This this doesn't this doesn't matter. Like if you're if you're the defending player, you can't offload your commodities because you cannot trade at the moment. But as the active player, like if salvage was going to come, if you were trying to do this to somebody attacking. You know, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's annoying in that way. But for the most part, salvage, even when it could hit, could just not hit because the person technically is allowed to get rid of this stuff. But also, we live in a world where most people get rid of their commodities as soon as they get them. So yeah. who's just yeah, got you don't commodities hang on to lying around? Well, yeah. So so you're talking about in in the interest of uh, salvage being defensively scored, which uh-huh. was would be kind of wild. Yeah. Um, the active player would be able to just give away their commodities instead of giving them to you. Um, I think personally that salvage isn't really so much an action card uh-huh. so much as it is another objective <laughs> in, in that if you use salvage, I think you're cool and I think you should get to win the game. Yeah. 
Okay. Salvage so, should be worth a victory point. It should say salvage should your be worth a victory point. All it should be a secret objective. Score one victory point. It salvage should be a secret objective where the 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 way it works. This would be the weirdest secret objective ever. But you win a combat against a player that has commodities. They now give you those commodities and you score a point. That's really funny. That's Twilight Imperium right there. That is eSports. That's Man, what I want to see. Give me more secret. Give me secret objectives that do other stuff in addition. Yeah, yeah. Not even just scoring the point, too. Yeah. Do other things, too. While we're at it, That's you know. Hilarious. Uh, next up is shields holding before you assign hits to your ship's during space combat, cancel up to two hits. Again, this is space combat, so this also is not maneuvering jets. You cannot yeah. do this during space cannon. You cannot nope. do this during ground combat. It is exclusively ships during space combat. Space combat only. Still not bad, though. Two hits, blocking yeah. two hits. That's better than a morale boost. I'll say that hey. much. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. There's four of them, too, so yeah. they they are in that deck. Yes. Um. So, yeah, you can, you can uh, maybe you'll have multiple ones. You can use one on the first round and then use one yeah. on the second round, whatever. Right. Yeah, have uh, fun with it. Another four of that we have here is Skilled Retreat, Uh, the card I truly hate that there are four of. I think it's disgusting yeah. that there's four of these. At the start of a combat round, any round of combat... Yeah, yeah, you don't uh, have to do it on the first. You can do it on any. Yep. Move all of your ships from the active system into an adjacent system that does not contain another uh, player's ships. The space combat ends in a draw. No win. No victory. No victory for anyone. Then place a command token from your reinforcements in that system. So you can go more or less anywhere as long as other people's stuff isn't there. Uh, Dane has famously said he wishes he hadn't called this skilled retreat because it doesn't actually really operate as a retreat in all of the ways. Right. It, it looks a lot like a retreat, but it's really not a retreat. Um, it blocks every single uh, action phase secret objective where there's not combat true. involved. Untrue. Sorry, there's one, there's one single secret objective that can be uh, can still be scored, and that's demonstrate your power to have three ships after a space combat. You can still score Thank that. Thank you. You're welcome. All the other ones, though, there are four opportunities for people to just completely block it from you, and especially when those have to happen in extraordinarily specific places, like an asteroid field to win a combat in an anomaly, and someone just has a skill retreat, which is what happens to me every single time I have that secret uh -oh. objective. Matt's reliving <laughs> some games now. Out. He's got his game face on. <laughs> Yeah, I hate skilled retreat. If there was just one of them, that would be fine and cute and dandy. The fact there are four turns it into this like known variable, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> I, I I think it, I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I I you know it's it's hurt me before, uh -huh. um, but also it's helped me before. So yeah. I think that's that's it's all good. And don't all forget gravy. all the fancy stuff people do with skilled retreats, where you as the attacking player send your stuff in but then use the skills retreat to actually sort of like pseudo light wave your way past the main yeah defenses and then you and have warfare, warfare and you, and you play have, warfare yeah, and so then you attack the home system it can get real goofy that skilled retreat yeah, yeah got yeah. a lot of weird potential it's the reason that you should always leave a fighter in your home system so no one can skilled retreat into it yep yep that's gum, something. gum is critically important because you want to just block skilled retreat stuff i mean think of it too you can do you can do an activate you can have fleet logistics and if you have a master plan attack skilled retreat 
master plan into warfare, lift the token, fleet logistics into the... All of that can happen in one yeah. singular activation of just taking yummy. the home system. Yummy, yummy. Yep. Okay. Yummy. Next up is Blitz. At the start of an invasion, each of your non-fighter ships in the active system that do not have bombardment gain bombardment six until the end of invasion. Why did they make this so good for L1? L1 didn't need Blitz. They're already really good with Harrow, but Dane made sure Blitz applies to Harrow. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. That's really great. We all needed that. <laughs> I think it's a cool card always, and so what? So what? It's it's cool. It's 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 always gonna be somewhat useful because bombardment is always the thing you would love to just kind of fudge and yeah. just get a little more uh -huh. going on so i always find there's gonna be some sort of situation where i like blitz um it's not a card that you would necessarily plan for the other player to have in yeah. like a defensive way so you're not that worried about it it just sometimes comes out and you're like oh whoa the only problem is that like it's not like it does anything about um the old uh planetary the old shield planetary shield or anything yep. like that yep. you know it's 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 a, a little bit kind of rough on that way but i don't know it's yep. okay yeah it's it's funny how many of these bombardment and space cannon cards are like all pretty bad by themselves but if you were ha if you happen to get like all four of them it's like oh now i'm gonna have a pretty good turn here i, I can yeah, actually yeah. do now something it's gonna be, now it's gonna be great <laughs> uh we got ghost squad after a player commits units to land on a planet you control, move any number of ground forces from any planet you control in the active system <laughs> to any other planet you control in the active system. Oh, so you can only you can only use this. Yeah. So, so Dane's over here being like, this action card is only useful defensively. Okay, that already <laughs> kind of slices up. Yeah. In multi-planet systems. Yeah. Uh, Oh, okay, so a little more narrow. In situations where the infantry is spread out in such a way between the different planets that if you changed it, it would change the outcome. Uh, oh, okay. I'll say this much for Ghost Squad. I think it's better than its counterpart, uh, uh, the old decoy operation, right? This is better than decoy operation. Mm, you don't think so? Mm, decoy no. operation bringing mechs into the fold? Okay. Decoy operations I, better. Ghost Squad is like so specific yeah. <laughs> that I don't even know when. Like, okay, why can't Ghost? This is what Ghost Squad should be. I'll fix Ghost Squad right now. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It should be like, it should just be transit diodes during that whole. But it's happening defensively whenever they commit units. Yeah. It's just you take them from anywhere, and I, now you've just plopped them in there. Right. I think it should basically be both or all planets in the system fight with the full force of all of the planets in that system. You know what I mean? For every single invasion, you don't have to move any infantry or ground forces around, but uh -huh. you fight with the maximum total of your ground forces in that system for each planet's invasion, right? I like mine better. Okay, that's fun. I like mine better. <laughs> that's that, that was... That, how are the hits distributed? What is that even... The one, the planet you're actually attacking. Who cares? Anyways, move on. We're playing. We're playing. <laughs> take these hats off. Okay. Reflective okay. shielding is an action card. When one of your ships uses sustained damage during combat, produce two hits against your opponent's ships in the active system. Reflective yeah. shielding is nasty. It's good. It's so yeah, it you assign the hits, right? 
No. No, produce two hits is not No, you that. just produce two hits. Yeah, Regardless. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just, just turning just two, two hits. hits around on the opponent, though, is, I, I think, really disgusting. I remember I seeing wish. this before it released and being like, you've made something truly devastating. And it's not that bad. It's not as bad no, as I, I think I originally right. feared, but it's pretty devastating. I wish... Okay, I'm sorry. I keep my hat on. Yeah. I need to Why? take my hat I off. I threw it in the garbage. Dang. I just want to be able to use it on mechs, all right? I just want to be able to do it with the mechs, too. Yeah. But that's okay. It's ships only. Yep. Only ships. But, what? I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Scramble frequency is after another player makes a bombardment, space cannon, or anti-fighter barrage roll. So any of the ability dice, that player re-rolls all of their dice you get the jolnar commander one time one on one roll this is well no no it's like that but bad right because you're re-rolling all of the dice you're not re-rolling like just the misses you're oh, re-rolling sure. all of it yeah. yeah yeah that's true you do re-roll all so so you're, if you're trying whiff, to turn yeah. you're trying to turn a good one into a whiff yeah and sometimes or, it gets even worse which yeah. actually i kind of love i i oh, love yeah. that it's a little bit yeah, it, it's also oh, yeah. another player. You cannot even use it to improve your own odds. You're just no, no, no. You're just hurting. You're preventing someone from making an example. That's all you're doing essentially. In yeah, this, and in you this. might not even prevent them because they yeah. might just roll the same roll again. Yeah, this um, <laughs> No, I love it. No, okay. right. this is exactly the kind of dark, dirty card I love uh -huh. because you're having to look at it again. It's like what we're finding out about me in this episode. Is that I like it when you're sitting there with the card in your hand and you're having a little meltdown about whether you even should play it. That's what I like about the action cards is when you're just like, uh, I, uh, oh, whatever, I guess I'll just scramble it. We'll see what happens. And then it gets even worse. And yeah. you're like, no, I hate my life. Yeah. 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 No, scramble frequency is fun because it's a it's got a little devil in it. Yeah. And, and, a and you know. A little devil. Yeah. If if I if I was in the boardroom, I'd be like, if I was making a board game, I would be like, I want a lot of components with a little devil in yeah, it. Yeah. That's what I want. It is most useful, I will say, against uh, bombardment, right? Because bombardment is where you're going to do the most damage that matters. Using it on like an anti-fighter barrage roll, it's kind of like, who cares? They rolled, like if they have Destroyer 2, they're going to get hits on the second roll. If they don't, they're not, like they didn't get hits in the first. Uh, who's you know, using though, this on anti-fighter barrage? I don't know. You say this, but... If let's say some destroyer ones got like a, a way too good well, sure. anti fighter barrage roll, then I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna scramble that yeah, because yeah. if you reroll that, you're definitely not getting a better. I'm sort roll. of intentionally not accounting for all the like random instances. I'm kind of trying to say across sure. the board, like you're kind of holding out on this for bombardment because bombard see, bombardment's where it's the most reliable, maybe to do something. Maybe not. Space yeah, can, but the space bombardment might roll, be more reliable. The bombardment roll has to be like so good in order for me to even think that scramble is going to make a difference. You know what I mean? Like it's right. like if we get four hits on bombardment yeah, out yeah. of four, then yeah, sure. We're probably not going to get as good a bombardment roll if I reroll of it. But if we get two out of four hits, yeah. then I'm like, uh oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And a Space, lot of times I just decide to scramble it. <laughs> right. Space Cannon is probably actually the best one because the odds of the reroll are generally not that fair. Like, all you need is like one too many rolls, and it's like, well, I can probably I can probably turn that into a miss or whatever. You know what I mean? You can you can swing the favor sure, of yeah, yeah. general quite um, easily, I would say. Um, anyways, okay. Next up is reveal prototype. At the start of a combat, any combat, a combat, spend four resources to research a unit upgrade technology of the same type as one of your units that is participating in this combat. This one's Ooh. weird. Because it is a research. Yep. It is not a game. 
You have to have the yep. prerequisites to get yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you got to have the unit there, and you got to have the prerequisites. So in that way, reveal prototype is pretty awkward, but also people play shallowly enough with tech where there's some sort of unit upgrade you can probably qualify for. Even yeah, yeah, if it's yeah. not like the most important thing in the game. And really, at the end of the day, all we're really caring about with this stuff is like, well, I'd like to have three unit upgrades if that happens to come up. So in that way, this card is pretty handy. And especially in those situations where you can like suddenly have infantry too in a combat or whatever. That's pretty nice. Yeah, uh, That's pretty juicy. Beyond that, I think this is good, but it is my least favorite of all of the gain technology abilities. Yeah, the two situations I want to see is I want to see... Uh, destroyer ones turn into destroyer twos yes. and then yeah i want to see infantry turn into infantry two remember too that you can use ai dev on yeah. this research True. so if you, if you need to use ai dev to to skip to that upgrade then yeah go ahead so yeah. definitely keep that in mind not that infantry two is like great infantry no. two sucks but it would be cool if you just pulled it out suddenly and then right. we were like whoa yeah 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 uh we've got route here at the start of the announce retreats step of a space combat. If you are the defender, your opponent must announce a retreat if able. So we yeah. kind of half mentioned this when we were talking about intercept earlier. Please, please, please read your action cards. So route is if you are the defender, you can you have to force, be the defender. You can yeah. force your aggressor to only do one round of combat and then they must retreat right so super weird um if the player doesn't have a retreat path then it cannot apply it says announce a retreat right. if able if so able yeah it, it has to be set up for it in the first place now if they have det there's a lot more options right this works great yeah, against yeah. people with det if they don't have det it's like this really awkward card that you maybe can't even use or whatever um but yeah route is Fairly awkward, but then when it matters, can be a pretty big deal. I mean, this is another way to, like, prevent a secret uh, secret objective that's happening in the action phase, right? You can just prevent them from winning a combat because you're forcing them to retreat. They got to now hit all their hits in one round, which, hey, guess what? That's probably not going to happen. Right. Um, I, my favorite time to use a route is whenever someone's invading my home system um, and I don't have enough ships in the sky to where I'm like, they will probably kill me in the first round, uh -huh. and then obviously if they do that, then they don't have to retreat. They uh -huh. don't have to retreat if they won the combat, right? Um, obviously. Uh, but where I'm just like, I've played it, and I'm just like, please yeah. don't get enough hits. <laughs> yeah, please one, don't get enough one hits. One fighter I love that survives, moment. and the person yeah, like, ah, yeah, and you're I just like, oh, you have to now. retreat, and then they retreat, and capacity is checked, and I have to kill the fighter. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, I wouldn't have to do that because of uh, space. If stops, there was a space stuff there, there's not even always, still. Though. Even yeah, still. Hilarious. Uh, okay, we got Waylay here. Before you roll dice for anti-fighter barrage, hits from this roll are produced against all ships, not just fighters. So you can yeah. kind of be like a even better than Argent Flight sort of thing, because Argent Flight only applies to sustained damage. This is just like, I can hit everything. Um, obviously, with Destroyer 1's, Waylay is like, whatever. With Destroyer 2... Waylay it's awesome. is very good. Very, very good action card. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, because that's, I mean, you, you, what with with three destroyers, that's probably too many destroyers to talk about. Two destroyers, six dice on a on, on that. I mean, gosh, you're, you're getting yeah, some yeah. hits. That's, that's crazy good. Okay. You're getting some hits, and, and yeah, you're going to wipe out a lot of stuff. I, I will say, though, Way, Waylay is a little too specific for my taste, because if, if I'm not playing as a destroyer two faction... Yes. 
It's not like I'm going to look at Waylay and be yeah. like, "Welp, I better change my whole plan yeah. Yeah. for this one card." It's like it's not enough for that. Yep. So yeah. in that way, it it is really narrow. Yeah. Um, I wish it was sort of like Blitz before mm -hmm. Anti Fighter Barrage, where like we were just all doing Anti Fighter yeah. Yeah, Barrage. Yeah. You know, that would be pretty cool. If, they, they should. We should just get one of those in general. Just let me have both. Let me have way. Let me be able to do both. You know what I mean? If I can get a yeah. waylay and get a thing that uh, just gives all my other stuff AFB, and then I can combo them together for this like really devastating pre combat role. I wish there were more things that were good pre-combat roles like that's the thing that's a problem with mentac right is like their thing doesn't ever really get to do anything meaningful and i don't know i just i would like to see more sort of dynamic combaty things happen speaking yeah, me of too. dynamic combaty Ooh, things dynamic com oh yeah yeah, yeah this we is got, a big one this is a, this is a big one here we've got uh this action card direct hit uh -huh. of which there are four of and it is after another player's ship uses sustained damage uh oh hey matt sorry we are out of time oh. i'm so sorry we just ran out of time on Shoot. the action card episode timer yep yep wow our, our i'm strict, really sorry our strict three hour and 41 minute recording yeah time we have we have broken our, we do have a limit so uh, i'm sorry we will not be able to discuss oh shoot. direct hit okay um Luckily, that was the only action card we had left to talk about. We uh -huh. talked about every single action card in this episode, except for Direct Hit, which uh -huh. we did not yes. talk about at all. Yeah. So we just won't, won't talk about we Direct Hit. I'm really sorry. The episode is just going to have to end right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we really cheated you this week. Sorry, y'all. So sorry. sorry. No Direct Hit. I guess we'll have to save it for, I don't know, some sort of other time when we, I don't know. I, I don't know when Maybe we'll like squeeze an, in a conversation about direct hit yeah or, yeah yeah maybe there'll be a, like an episode about it or something i don't know, I don't know. That I don't seems know. egregious uh hey thanks to all the weird bears big al cappuccino anvilier squeamish emu brassbird brian kaluan dark jutsu goondock carnal necrodies twice totally calculating poet kindred spirit lord raddington bagels m lashevsky sunfax absol privix ricky m44 rys and wecker and thank you to all of mama's lovely larva my son is also named bort nerf sir baldrick tautology is what it is frank g recca Jadim Jedi, General Pith, Uncle Batty, Savant, and Teddy's Jam for you. Homebrewers Guild, I've finally done it. Guess what? The game is happening today. Oh my gosh. Twitch, go to go, go to twitch.tv slash spacecatspeaceturtles uh, right now because we I'm doing the artifacts thing on this day. The day is, of course, Wednesday, uh, August 24th. We are finally playing this game. Uh, it was supposed to happen last week, and your boy got uh, the virus, the thing that goes around. I got that, and that sort of threw my ability to play that game into the toilet. So it's finally time. We're going to do this game, and then I'm going to do my absolute best to turn around another Homebrewers Guild as fast as possible. We will decide what, what that topic is, but I owe you, like too many homebrew games back to back to back i'm gonna try to do just like a string of every week we do a homebrew game for a little bit so homebrewers guild it is about to be your time to shine and first up is today's game of artifacts which are contestable victory points that we are supplanting into the explore decks hunter what's going on with that there galactic council galactic council okay you got two polls this month uh your first poll is done thank you for playing we have decided what the normal style uh i would say galactic council uh non-super uh episode will be and you will be hearing that next week uh it's gonna be twilight imperium hero tier list 
oh, I knew when I put tier list in the title, yep. you were going to pick it. Yep. I play you like a fiddle. Next month is going to be like baloney tier list, and they'll pick it anyways just because of those words. No, nope, we're not doing episodes like this anymore, <laughs> yeah, Matt. True. We're only doing big, big time, big Galactic Council episodes. The <laughs> second poll is still up um, for uh, uh, one additional week. Um, actually, no, it really won't. You won't. Well, maybe you'll have, you'll have like, no, you won't. It'll be decided. I just don't know what it is yet. It'll probably be either asynchronous Twilight Imperium cool. or Space Cats, Peace Turtles, homebrew TI4 scenario. I don't know which one has been determined, but it has been determined now. You will hear that episode next month where you will also get a new poll yep. for the uh, episode that will come out the month after that, yep. which is great. We're now a month ahead on all Galactic Council polls so that those episodes can actually be prepared and thought about ahead of time. Yes. Uh, yes. If you like these episodes, hey, if you liked that this episode was like three and a half hours long, you owe me a five-star rating. You yep. owe me right now. You have to stop what you're doing. I did this for you against my better judgment. I have a family. I have a daughter. And the right. least you can do is give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It would be hugely appreciated. It increases the algorithm stuff. We all know how algorithms work. We work. We live in 2022. Algorithms control everything. They Live run by the algorithm lives. or die. Uh, you can also yeah. find information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merch, everything at spacecatspeaceturtles.com. Please consider joining our Patreon so that you can vote on these Galactic Council pools or you can take part in Homebrewers Guild games. Uh, this is like the off-season where we're trying to grow all of the other stuff we like to do outside of our yep. tournament. The tournament yep. is sort of like the big time when the Patreon really gets to shine. But uh, Hunter and I want the off-season to shine a lot more. So please come join it and be a part of it so that we can uh, have the resources to do weirder, more interesting projects. It's something we're really trying to build up to. So consider contributing. You can also send us this Imperium Life Stories to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. I do not have one for you today because we ran nope. out of time again. We just like ran out said, of time. It's just so unfortunate. We, we really wanted to talk about direct hit. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. we just didn't. It, I'm just sorry. There was a timer, and then now we just talked about every action card yeah. except for direct hit. It's so and crazy. I just like don't know what to do about that. Yeah, there's that. no like, way to rectify that situation. I, I there, there, uh, there, there's no solution that could possibly be thought up. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I guess until next time, we'll we'll just have to save it for for I don't know something else. I mean, there's no I way. There's we'll no do. way we could just like spend an hour talking or about four or four hours talking about direct hit there are there's four no of way. them there's, one hour there's per no direct, way excuse me yeah. i misspoke one hour per direct hit card in the deck there's no way we could do that right like i mean like we could sit down i mean we just did every action card except for direct hit in three hours and three and a half hours probably uh-huh and, and and there's i mean do you think there's a way that we could take a single action card like direct hit and then do a four hour episode on it do you do you think i'm gonna regret like loading the audience on the idea that we would ever do that hunter there's nothing my spite isn't capable of wow thank you for listening to space cats peace turtles and thanks to ben prunty for the use of his music you can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>